0: hey what's up everybody It's chris and rod back with another episode of should i play that what's going on rod how you doing
1: very very good sir it's always a good day we, we are recording the show and i think we're, i'm 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 very excited though because we yeah we, we've got a, an extremely special guest again
2: What's very up, special
0: yo? guest what's going on her how you doing man
2: I'm good, I'm good. This is Game Master Herb. I'm excited to be back on again. It feels like I was just here.
0: Yeah, like it was... I want to say... wait, how many episodes ago was that?
2: That was was almost 10 episodes ago, I I think. It was like
0: episode 12, I want to say. But definitely big welcome back to Game Master Herb, man. How you doing?
2: Very, very good here. Um, I I turned another year older. I uh, got involved with another... Weekly game arcade and I've been playing so many games and I'm excited to talk about them, but I, I know I'm waiting till the end. So, so hold me back here. <laughs> <laughs> before right, we, so... um,
1: before we jump in, can you tell us a little bit about the new arcade thing that you got going on?
2: Yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll just, you know, preface with, um, if you don't already know, I am Game Master Herb. I basically make games happen in public spaces and I only get involved with uh, places that are inclusive to all orientations, all genders, all races. Um, you know, the 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 gist is come out and game. Every Monday is press start with controller eyes at the Monday Night Garage. Uh, every Tuesday is pint and play at the Georgia Beer Garden, and now I'm doing a thing called Smash Thursdays at the Black Sheep Tavern every Thursday. Um, and yeah, the new one is pretty cool. It's, uh, it's me and it's also Game Nerd Boogie here in Atlanta. And so they're bringing their setups that are pretty much going to be strictly for, uh, tournaments and competitive stuff. And then I have a whole section in another room with all the casual stuff. So it's like basically you come to my section with a date night or to practice and then you go to their section to like, you know, put in $10 and then win the pot. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, we've got, DJ Kitty Gold Star out there and uh the food goes till one A. M. and we have Smash Brothers on a gigantic blow up projector outside in the parking lot. Um, and I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty excited about this one. It's only been like maybe three weeks, but it's going pretty well so far and the vibe is good and I'm just like I'm happy to do games anywhere that I can, anywhere that people need them. I, I like to make sure people have a controller in their hand and they're enjoying themselves. You know,
0: As I, And I said this last time, I'll say it again. I'll probably say it next time too. You are doing like God's work in <laughs> Atlanta with like just, uh, just, you know, uh, creating some sort of like, you know, a community and atmosphere for anybody to just come in. If you want to play video games, if you want to chill, you just want to relax, have fun. That's what it's all about. And like the, the gaming scene now in Atlanta is, is so much better than it was like years ago because of, you know, events like that, that you're throwing. Like this Thank is, you. I, I can't even imagine where this is going to be in the next couple of years, but you know, definitely keep doing what you're doing. Like I love this. Like I, I love that, um, there's events that you can go to if you just want to go out and just chill with, you know, people that, you know, like video games or people that just want to hang out. Cause even people that aren't playing video games that like comes to these events, they're still having fun.
2: Right. And they're getting exposed to what used to be, you know, sort of like, Oh, oh, that's what the geeks do. you know. Mm-hmm. And now it's, now it's like, I'm, I'm trying to like, we talked about this last time with the representation. I'm trying to like normalize like the, the concept of having games just being wherever you are. When you go out in nightlife, it shouldn't just be well, I'm going to see this band and I'm going to drink this drink. Like, like, oh, oh, there's also like 10 screens of video games over here. Like, like it should just be a thing because, because, you know, I mean, we all know, like we all go home and play games anyway, you know, and even those of us that aren't gamers, I mean, we all know a gamer. We all, everyone has surely played Mario Kart. Everyone knows what Tetris is or what Mortal Kombat is. So it's just one of those things where like, um, I'm just trying to push that, that mindset of like, Everywhere that you go, especially in nightlife, you, you know, you should have the option of enjoying this, this thing that is definitely like a force in our society. It's been a force in Japan for, you know, many, many years. Um, it's been, it's been normalized over there for many, many years. It's just a thing that people go do and that's just like normal there. Um, uh, to my understanding anyway, I haven't been, I would love to go, but, um, in America, I feel like games have largely been sort of, sequestered into like this corner of like only only nerds and geeks do this, you know, or only kids do this. And you know, that's just not the case. That's just not the case. When on on Monday especially, I press start, it's like you see such a range of people from people that are just, you know, right out the gate 21 to dudes and and their ladies in their 40s coming out and being like, "Oh, I want to play Altered Beast. I want to play you know, whatever, I wanna play Mario Kart, I wanna play, you know, you got that new Mortal Kombat, you know, that sort of thing, and it's just, it's just cool that all these people can come together over this one thing, and, and that's not necessarily the focus, but it's there. It's there as an option, and I'm all about options. Yeah, and, yeah. That's,
0: and that's, and that's something that I love, I think the last time I, uh, went to Press Start, um one of the arcade sticks were open, and I was able to play, like, uh old school, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on it. Yeah. And, like, that just blew my mind. I was like, man, like, these old memories are starting to, like, come through and everything like that. So, uh like you said, it's definitely for, you know, people that have played games, people that haven't played games. Just come out and have fun and enjoy yourself. It's one of those things. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's
1: everything you guys are saying is, is true. I think it's, it's continuing to evolve. I mean, we see that in the console space with Switch uh, trying to, you know, constantly within its marketing and really just the point of the system is to get more people to play games together, um, and have it be a social event. Um, I think especially with things like, um, we're fortunate enough here in Atlanta to have a local Overwatch team and Overwatch League is, uh, one of the biggest esports going on right now. Um, and, you know, they're, they're going to have have, they just finished having their homestead games, so they're like they hosted like their uh, the games here in Atlanta, which I did not attend in person, but I did catch like the streams and I saw like all the events around Atlanta that was happening at that time. And I think with with that getting bigger as well, um, which it will only get bigger next year, as all like the the cities that are being represented have their own home games. Like I mean, it's going to become more normalized, like you were saying. So events yeah. like that
2: really, really help. Um I'm doing a uh this Saturday I'm going to a place called four oh four Esports and uh oh providing gosh. uh some games for them because I have a buddy uh Wallamu who is doing like game coaching for like the younger crowd. So he's like, you know, kind of teaching everybody basics and advanced techniques on Smash and um I'm excited I, I haven't been over there yet, so I'm like excited to kinda I haven't either. That, you know? I've,
0: like, kept up with them uh once they started. They started doing, like, a social media push a couple months ago and, like, yeah. caught on with that. And then, like, just been, like, over social media watching and seeing them grow and everything. And it's just, it's great seeing what they're doing over there, too.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel like, you know, gaming has always brought me uh like social structure like when I was younger it was like you know you go to the arcade and that's how I would meet friends that's how I would uh kind of see it, it's kind of like where you go and see how you stack up because at home or on 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 the block or whatever you know you might be the best at whatever but when you go to the arcade it was like, oh oh okay <laughs> like <laughs> I need to practice more you know and that's it's kind of one of those things where um every week I just I, I meet. I meet and I connect with these people that, um, time and time again are, are people that are just playing games at home and, and don't realize that, that there are options out there and there are other people to meet out there. There's community. It's, it's there. Whether you're doing, you know, hardcore esports, whether you're like keeping up with every game or whether you just want to come out and play this game that you haven't played in years that you didn't think anybody was into, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like push people to like, uh, enjoy themselves in front of other people. Like it's okay. You don't have to just game in the dark by yourself. It's all. It's all good. Like right. Right. <laughs> um. Something uh, I just have to say really quick. Something I'm excited about with uh, Thursday is that um, the space is very different, and I kind of have like a whole section to myself. And something I was able to do last Thursday. Um, I'm a big shoot 'em up and bullet hell fan, and uh, one of the best bullet hell games of all time if not the best if you look on a bunch of lists is a game called ikaruga um oh yeah and i was able to and i haven't really been able to do this before just based on the space and where i'm able to place my tvs and whatever but i was able to flip a tv on its side and do the vertical display of ikaruga so that you get the full resolution Mm -hmm. um and that got kind of a lot of looks i mean a lot of people were like oh my god what is this game like why is the tv on its side you know um and that was, that was kinda cool. It's just, you know, stuff like that, Um uh, something else. Th- this past weekend I went to the Southern Fry Gaming Expo and at the Southern Fry Gaming Expo they have a full-blown, like, original arcade with brand new pinball machines that have just come out and then a bunch of classics as well as, uh, newer arcade machines like killer queen, um, mm. and, and revamped versions of Galaga, like super sized version of Galaga and Pac-Man. Um, and then like newer cabinets that have like PS4s inside them essentially. So I was playing Sweet. Sam show on a stick in a cab with, with other people. Um, but then you, you know, you go back to the old arcade machines and you get to see how a lot of these machines were specifically designed for a game. Like for instance, uh, the game Darius, it's like a horizontal shooter that, uses two screens inside of a cabinet, um, and then meshes them together in a way that makes it feel like it's three screens. So I couldn't tell you the resolution offhand, but it's like an extremely long horizontal screen so that your, your, your ship is all the way on the left and you're firing like all the way at enemies on the oh, right.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Um,
2: and just stuff like that, you know, they don't really, um, it, the thing that you really miss with console gaming and PC gaming even is that experiences that used to be sort of what would separate the arcade from home experiences were were these like very specific uh very specific experiences like with with vertical shoot 'em ups or with horizontal shoot 'em ups or with you know games that have like force feedback or like games where you sit in a whole chassis and play the whole game and the whole chassis moves with you um they had a racing game there where it was it was essentially like you know uh like, like, like Forza, essentially. It was like Forza, but you sit in a whole chassis and the whole thing moves with you as you drive. And stuff like that, I feel like, is still kind of like, you're never really gonna get that experience at home unless you wanna spend a ton of money. Um and so I think, I think sort of replicating that in, in whatever way possible is important because that's why, that's why it was so exciting for people mm-hmm. to go to the arcades in the 80s and the 90s is because at home, you either didn't have those games available or you just had your controller in your TV. Right. And if they're arcade, it was like a full body it's, experience. It's, yeah, it's a tangible thing that you're yes. doing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, but that was a whole tangent. My bad. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> oh, no,
0: it's all good. Yeah. Cool. But, um, before we jump into our what you've been playing, um, also want to shout out our, you know, our social media pages. Remember to follow us, you know, on, uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we're bring we're pulling up a YouTube account, so like if you're listening to us right now on YouTube, guess what? It's up. You're listening to us. Ooh. But if not, uh it'll be out soon. You'll see a shout out on our social medias. But just do a search for "Should I Play That" red controller pop up. That's us. Um, and then also email us at should i play dot should i play that at gmail.com dot com. Emails email us some questions, and uh we'll possibly read them on air. So, with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into our What You've Been Playing, and um, let's see if this What You've Been Playing is going to turn out to be most of the episode. <laughs> it,
2: it will. Spoilers. It will. <laughs> All right. So,
0: um, we're going to flip the script a little bit this week. Uh, I'm actually going to go first this time because I just have one game to talk about. And then we're just sort of gonna, we're gonna cascade into, you know, uh, Rod and then Herb jumping into theirs. But, uh, this past week, I finally finished Marvel Spider-Man.
1: Oh, you finished it? Okay. Yeah. Nice.
0: What a game. Like, um, uh, I don't know if you guys knew or listened to other shows, but I recently picked up, uh, Marvel's Spider-Man during, uh, Sony's days of play, a promotion. So they, they were, Selling it for $20, but then they sold the deluxe edition for 30. So that included all the DLCs. So I went ahead and picked that up. And, um, I feel like it's a combination of still being on a, a mental high because of, uh, Avengers Endgame, but then piggybacking off of Spider-Man Far From Home. So like having those two go- really good movies come out and then playing this sort of like, wrapped up everything for me like i like it's i i i can't wait to you know see what else they do with this franchise um but the game is good like it's uh is what you're looking for in a superhero game uh you really do feel like spider-man swinging around the city uh the story is really good it's really compelling it feels like it's um like they really pull from like uh like different aspects of like spider-man's fandom so um yeah know, like it's, they, they throw a lot into the game like more than i was expecting
1: yeah uh herb did you get a chance to finish this
2: uh i did not i have watched uh my hubby play it uh quite a bit and definitely like definitely have learned to appreciate like 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 i know enough put it that way okay <laughs>
1: okay because I, I wanted to kind of Spoil this game? Um, no, please, but,
2: please, yeah, no worries. Okay,
1: so spoilers for Spy- This game's been out for almost a year at this point. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so just you know, spoilers if you don't want to hear about Spider-Man for you know the end of Spider-Man, fast forward a couple minutes. Um, okay, gone. All right, cool. So the one of the things that I really liked about this this game is I love the fact that we get to feel not just like Spider-Man, but we get to feel like peter parker um we also get to feel like miles morales and mj um albeit in maybe less exciting situations but i think that's kind of the point you know what's
0: funny though is that i think last episode i talked about the mj and miles parts right but i feel like towards the end of the game once they gave you more abilities and it wasn't just trying to sneak around like you were actually able to take people out i enjoyed it a little bit more i think that it plays well I, I, i don't know if those if those
1: parts ever fully gelled for me, just in terms of like the, the, the pacing of it, but I, I say that, but I think that the narrative being about generally like, you know, what regular people can do alongside Spider-Man, like I think that that really worked for me like once once the game completed the credits were rolling i was like ah, okay like i like the feeling i got made a lot of sense um mm-hmm. as as i was going through it um also one of the best portrayals of aunt may in any of these iterations like any spider-man iterations for me
0: yeah I, yeah i'll agree with that like but, it's i feel like it's a good combination of like all of all of the ant like I I got like a really good vibe of um like the animated series ant mm-hmm. yeah but then um I don't know like it was just I feel like they 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 did their homework they went and like uh found out like what we liked about all these characters and sort of threw it all together in a game
1: yeah yeah I mean they really explored that relationship in in a in a very compelling way that you know I feel like I haven't seen in many of the movies I would say since the Raimi movies at least um and I would say it even maybe rivals some of that stuff um and and that's saying something cuz Spider-Man 2 The, the Raimi Spider-Man 2 is like probably my favorite
0: superhero movie of all time. Um, it's real good. Oh, so I gotta ask you this. Which Doc Ock portrayal did you like the most?
1: I do love me some Alfred Molina. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I do like this one. Now I will say this, I will say this. I, I do, well, I do like the Raimi version of that maybe the best. I do appreciate, um, the, way that like the heel turn here and that it was actually complete in this game because i was totally (laughs) expecting like that to be the tease for the sequel um but no they just full-on say fuck it no you're getting doc ock like in this thing uh right now so that was really cool and to end with the miles tease i thought was a stronger thing like I i thought that was a really cool thing to do which Makes me wonder: Are they going to do the what? What current Marvel is doing in the comics, where Peter and Miles like are simultaneously together, or are they going to do what they have always done in the Ultimate's universe, which is kill off Peter? You play as Miles now. Um, I, who knows? I don't know. Uh, but that that is an interesting place to leave it. Um, I.
0: I, I also I, like what they did with um with like Harry Osborn, what they did with Norman. Mm, yeah. Uh like that whole I feel like that's obviously a setup for the second game. Right. But
2: like, like we'll see a like, goblin.
0: We'll see a goblin, but do you think we'll also see Venom because at the at the oh, end right. you see like the, the tentacles. Right, the symbiote. Yeah, I yeah. I think so.
1: I I think that we will see that. So maybe maybe it's a combination of the two, you know? Maybe Maybe the symbiote. Uh, maybe Harry gets the symbiote, and you know, instead of Peter or someone else. Um, I I don't know. Who who knows? Um, or maybe it's not Eddie Brock at all. You know, maybe it's someone else entirely. Who knows? Maybe it's J Jonah Jameson. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go way out there and say that I like what you were saying about how they provide you sort of different perspectives on the Spider-Man story, where you know you get to be MJ. Um, and and. I think it's cool that I think it's cool to include that because anybody who's read any comics or watched any superhero cartoons or movies or whatever, it's like you know it's not just the heroes. There's a whole team of people that kind of facilitate their their saving the day. Yeah. Um and it was um I was just watching Totally, like, blast from the past. I was watching a uh, a video about the old Splinter Cell games and how they had multiplayer where it was like, you know, you were spies versus mercs. And I was just thinking, wouldn't it be cool to have a superhero game where, like, it's multiplayer and somebody gets to be Spider-Man or Batman and then someone gets to play, like, the backup team and do the stuff that they can't do, um, mm-hmm. you know, simultaneously or, at, like, in an open world setting. Just, Just a thought. Mm-hmm.
0: That's what I was hoping with um when, you know, there was the talk of um Rocksteady doing another Batman game, and this having, like, co-op with someone playing as Robin. Like, that's what I was hoping for, was yeah. that, you know, you would have, like, those instances where you're playing as Robin, and you're still in the same instance with your friend, but you're doing something completely different.
2: Right, like like asynchronous multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man.
1: It, it's like the perfect summer game to me. You know, it's light, it's breezy. I mean, not super light because there is some heavy shit in it, but like for the most part, like it's it feels like you are. I know it's so cliche to say, but it feels like you're playing one of those movies. You know, you're playing a summer blockbuster. Um,
0: and I, and, and shout out to Insomniac for like getting the city down right. Um, this past was it like a week or two ago? I actually took a trip out to New York and visited a bunch of places. So it was cool coming back home, sitting down, popping the game in and like sing, swinging around the city being like, yo, I was here like a couple of days ago. That's cool. And like being able to like, you know, go down the block and like, all right, so if this is here, then this should be over here. And then like, sure enough, bam, there it is. So yeah. uh, what I want to do is I want to like take selfies in the game and then put it side by side with the selfies I took while I was out um, so you know hopefully we will see that on uh on our Instagram page and then yeah. also shout out to um I don't say shout out to myself but I'm gonna <laughs> go ahead I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I was talking about it before but I'm gonna post some um some videos and some footage of me actually going to the Nintendo store.
2: And oh yeah, it, oh, I saw that, that picture, is. dude. That looked yeah. cool. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it's definitely like, if you're in New York, check it out. If you're ever visiting New York and you're a Nintendo fan, um, uh, they have some really cool things in it. Cause it's not only just like a retail store, but they have like, um, little areas where like, if you wanted to see all of the Game Boys or all of like, they have like this one section with every single amiibo that they've released, like yeah. in a glass case. And it's ridiculous. Cool. It's, it's with
2: insane. like armed guards on it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Dude, uh, one thing about the game that I really enjoyed as well, uh, was the fact that like, it's felt like a true solo Spidey adventure. Like it's, it wasn't like, you know, a lot of the other iterations where it's like, they don't... Reference other superheroes, or you just don't see anything. You like other superheroes don't exist. It's only Spider-Man. Other superheroes exist in this universe, but like they're just busy doing other shit, and um, so they're referenced, and you see like other things. You see Hell's Kitchen, and you see the diner that uh, or you see the bar that that Daredevil goes to. You see Jessica Jones uh building. You see uh Doctor Avengers Strange's Tower. Yeah, you see Avengers Tower. You see the uh, Doctor Strange uh, house. I know there's a more official official name than Doctor Strange's house but I can't think of the Sanctorum I think Um, yeah so you see a bunch of stuff like that and they meld they do such a wonderful job of melding like what you recognize from the movies but like other like comic stuff so like for me I'm familiar with a lot of the comic stuff so like it was just it was um, I was in heaven just seeing all of like the little references that they would tuck away and they did such an an amazing job doing that like it was insane
2: love it
0: yeah, as, I don't know. The fan in me still wants to get, like, a game like Spider-Man, but then actually seeing the other heroes or, like, it, instead of it being, like, a small, like, reference where they say something about it, like, I, I love to actually see the heroes there.
2: Yeah. There was an old Spider game, Spider-Man game, game I used to play on Genesis where you could call in the Fantastic Four to help you, like, as an assist. Um oh, wow. And yeah, I would love to see that kind of thing implemented now. But you know, it's also like a different landscape now with with rights and rights um, and
0: everything. Yeah. yeah,
2: licenses. It's crazy. But I mean, you know, Fantastic Four has been kind of like in the on the back burner for a minute, so we'll see we'll see what happens with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, something tells me that maybe this weekend at Comic Con, Kevin Feige might have something to say about that. Right. Hopefully. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But to wrap up the section, um, like I said, I did buy the DLCs. The DLCs. I mean, they're. I don't feel yet like it's you know a, like a justifiable purchase like yeah it's like extra content of like what happens after the main story but um I don't know like I'm 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 content playing through the DLC there's I think 3 of them and I'm on the last one right now um I don't know like it's it's is there but it's not really like needed to get like the full effect of the game
1: yeah I did not get a chance to play the d l c so uh because- and then I had heard that they weren't super substantial, so i kind of i just forgot about them
2: um so are they worth going back for or not really?
0: not really,
2: okay that's what I've heard well, before you know it, that'll be uh even cheaper and I'm kinda like i gotta say I'm kinda like pleased to hear that in a way because I feel like d l c in many instances has become a thing that uh, they will, they will call DLC, but is kind of like completing an incomplete game. So to hear that the game itself is, is meaty and very, very like full and then the DLC is just kind of like extras, to me that's how it should be. You know? Right. Really Maybe not point. for that price, yeah. but like, that's how it, you know, it, it shouldn't be like you need the DLC to have the full experience.
1: Exactly yeah yeah they sort of tease out like the black cat storyline so you get more of that in the dlc um and i was kind of unsure how i felt about that um where like there's a there's a side mission where uh black cat is leaving you a bunch of clues basically and she's like leaving you voice recordings of like what she's up to and peter the whole time is just kind of like um i should probably try to catch you i don't really know what's going on um and that that side mission actually concludes with you not really catching her, but like you kind of have sort of mostly mostly pieced together, like what she's up to. And the first DLC sure enough actually has her in it. So you kind of,
0: well, yeah, the DLCs are, it's pretty much like tying together a lot of loose ends. So the, but like all those loose ends come together. So it's the black cat thing. And then there's also that story thread with hammerhead, that right. ties together and that's the second episode. Right. But then there's also a story thread with, um, with the captain of the police and right. she sort of goes off the rails. And then the last, uh, like chapter of the DLC is with Sable coming back. So, um, and like it, it, it's adding, like, so like what Herb said, it's adding extra to what's already a really good game. And like if you've played, the main game, or you're planning on playing the main game, like you're good with just doing that, but if you want a little bit extra, you know, you want some dessert, that's what the DLC is there for. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's, that's what the D and DLC should be staying for. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> for sure.
0: But yeah, that's Mobile Spider-Man. Definitely, you should, uh, you should definitely play that. And that's the rating.
2: <laughs> nice. Cool.
0: Alright, so Rod, what you got this week, man? What you been playing? <laughs>
1: All right, so as I continue my journey through Judgment, which I'm still really enjoying, I think I'll probably pick that apart maybe in more in-depth next week, because I, because I might actually be able to finish that thing uh, by the time next week rolls around. I'm hoping, anyway. Um, in between that, I picked up a game that I've been really looking forward to for a while, uh, called Sea of Solitude. And this is... Excuse me. This is the second EA original, which is their indie label. Um, The – I want to say EA is giving – funding or or providing funding and marketing for indie games. They're handpicking uh concepts that they really like or I guess that have been pitched to them. Um, these are I wanna say, I want to say that these are games that have already that are already in the process of in of being in development. Um and they're pitched these games and they decide to pick up the mantle and help them provide them with resources um monetarily and again with marketing. Um and this the first one was Unravel, I want to say, and to the second one. So, Sea of Solitude was created by this game company in Germany, from uh, this developer called May Games, and it was headed up by uh, by a woman n- named uh, Cornelia Geppert, and she was the writer and I want to say art direction or art director and the, just the overall creative designer. So she's got like three or four big hats going on, and. Um, yeah, I was really excited about this because they premiered it at E3, I want to say a year or two ago, and um, she came out on stage and gave a really heartfelt, compelling presentation about what this game is, and if you, in case you don't know, um, it's about, it's it's one big metaphor for her uh, dealing with uh, loneliness and depression, actually. And uh, you play this girl named Kay, and you wake up on this boat in the middle of the sea, and um, and you are completely covered in just darkness. Like, you look like a monster, basically. and You have, like, glowing red eyes. Um, you don't know why you're a monster at all. Um, you just kind of wake up at this boat and you look like this. And you're just like, what the hell is going on? Um, and the first thing you do, you start sailing towards uh, a city that is mostly submerged. Um, and the game itself is based in a Berlin city um and so everyone kind of has like a they have a pretty thick Ameri- uh, a pretty thick german accent um it, it's all it's fully voiced and everything um but uh yeah you start running into larger than life creatures i would say shadow of the colossus-esque um some of them are um and a lot of them are are terrifying very scary um but beautifully designed i would say like the first ones gave me chills just like just Running into them for the first time because they are very imposing and, and very loud and, uh, and, and, and scary looking. And so the whole game, I finished it in one sitting. It's about three hours um, long and it's about 20 bucks and going through it, I love the narrative direction of this game um there's we're starting to see more and more games tackle serious topics uh of mental health and things like that which i believe is always important um it's always important to educate more people about something like this um and i think it is handled beautifully i think that's where this game shines is uh the music is spectacular um and the the story that it uh, that it weaves is is very good and also because it it feels so real because it, it's it's based on true experiences that um that Cornelia Geppert actually had um so and I don't want to really spoil a lot of them for you this game just came out like last week um but for example you know you sort of uh the, the first monster that you run into tells you basically literally the first words out of its mouth uh, are that uh, you are a worthless piece of shit and um mm. you have no idea uh you you have no business you know basically living uh essentially um and you know the character the player character is very confused and like you know oh i have friends and family and i'm not alone and but this monster is like can, kind of beating you down continuously so it's is not it, like
0: is it sort of like um like if you ever played any of the personas is it sort of like the the other self talking to the character
1: that is what a lot of it is um so not every single so every single creature is a representation of something so the very first one is um, the way I read it is is a definitely a representation of of yourself um, the negative feelings that kind of swirl around you constantly when you have something like depression um, it's it's very complex because depression is not something that um, is just cured it's something that is mitigated um, and so that is represented beautifully and it, it came to a, uh, I would say that it came to a conclusion that, um, and I, I mean this in all sincerity. It was genuinely heart move, like heartwarming and, and moving to me. Um, I don't feel that way a lot when it comes to games, um, and their narratives, but this, this one, uh, definitely, uh, resonated with me and, and moved me, uh, very much towards the end. Um, so definitely I saw, those, mm-hmm. I
2: saw the trailer for this. It looked really compelling
1: yes yes it absolutely is and that is the reason why you would want to play this is because it the art direction the music um and and the story is phenomenal like they're they're all really great Um, it's a beautiful beautiful game to look at Um, absolutely now i will say that um so that's that's the great part of it um the other, the, the not so fantastic part is, um, is kind of the game itself. So what you're doing in the game does not really vary, uh, much. Like, so you're kind of going from point to point, And I don't want to say, you know, I hate that term walking simulator, but like you kind of are going from point to point, um, uh, collecting basically collecting uh messages and bottles you're you are going up to seagulls and chewing them away that's kind of like your sort of collectibles um of the game um and you have a specific path you always go down like you hold the i was playing on playstation so i was holding the l2 button to always get a line of sight of where i need to go it's always like open this door here so i can Open the gate so my boat can get through, and it's kind of that for like three hours. Now, fortunately, it's not long, so it's not it doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, so the 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 tediousness of the game doesn't ultimately doesn't affect me much. But like, if you're expecting like some hardcore, um, you know, Devil May Cry action game to kill these monsters, like that's not what this game is, um, and. I would I could see some players getting turned off from that because they might want something a little more action oriented. <laughs> um I do like the book controls themselves, but yeah, I mean nothing really everything is really simple. There's a lot of like pick up this piece to um to go move this lever. It's very light puzzling. Um, and it right. kind of never, it never really strays from that. You're kind of a, in a similar, similar-ish environments for, I would say most of it. You get for the first half of the game, it's like kind of submerged city-ish. As be- beautiful as it looks, it is kind of that for the first hour and a half or so. In the last quarter, you get like a snow level and then you get like kind of a dark grayish level for like the next quarter um and then you get like some platform some very light easy platforming stuff um, so it never really challenges you in a way that um, i would say is provides a satisfying gameplay experience but for me that wasn't why i ended up loving it um, or even wanting to continue playing it um, so yeah kind of a i would say on the whole the package is is more of a mixed bag but if you look at just what it's accomplishing, um, just outside of what you're doing moment to moment, um, I think Sea of Solitude is a uh, is a huge, huge recommendation for me.
2: Cool.
0: So, so I was gonna say, so um, would you compare this to something like Journey? That is a
1: good comparison, and and the reason why I had hes- I even hesitate for that is because um so with Journey I always felt like I was doing something. The visuals were very very good um throughout that was also something that kind of kept me going but i also felt like it wasn't like hour one didn't feel like hour three to me like yes you were clicking ahead on the on the thumbstick um and kind of just moving through locales um but here i feel like a lot of the tasks are more rote than in journey i mean you are like kind of collecting things every now like every now and then in journey um but I don't know. It might be similar-ish. But I didn't really get that same vibe from Journey. Um, Journey was also shorter. I would say that was a shorter game. You could complete that game in, uh, maybe like an hour if you're really fast. Um, I don't think you could really do that here unless you, maybe you skipped all the scenes. Um. Right, but Journey is also about
2: going through it multiple times.
1: Exactly. That yeah. too. That, that too. And there isn't, there's not much in Sea of Solitude that constitutes multiple playthroughs. Um, if anything, and it's just one, there's no multiple endings. There's no nothing there's nothing like that. Um, it is that that's a really great point um, as well. I think the, the 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 brilliant thing about Journey is that the narrative of it, it it is built into the story of why you would play this again. Yeah. yeah um and it makes sense, it makes narrative sense.
2: So Yeah, it's Journey's almost like an arcadey walking simulator, if that makes sense, because you're supposed to like you know, like you're supposed to just continue to keep doing it not necessarily to get a higher score but also to get all the pieces of the scarf but also even deeper than that to kind of like i, I feel like you're encouraged to play it more so that you understand it more
1: yeah so you yeah. understand it more so you can help other people yeah so, yeah so that is that's so yeah it is different it's similar in some ways chris like to, to answer your question um but you know, it's, it's, it's similar in the simplicity of what you're doing, but I think the mechanics of it just on, just on the bones of it, I think is different than journey.
0: No, it's a, uh, what sort of triggered my mind when you said that it's similar to, I think me and you talked about, um, watching get out and like, so watching get out and being like, all right, when I watch this multiple times, I'm catching different things. But right. then when, uh, us came out, you pretty much got, the gist of what he was going for in that one playthrough.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and, and I'm not even sure if I'm, if I'm able to even like articulate what it is you're, you're doing in this game. I mean, it really truly is like you're marveling at the world around you, um, honestly, like, through all of it um that like that is kind of what is and you you're never lost you're never capable of being lost because you always have that waypoint um pretty much on your person there's no map but the 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 flare that you can send up by holding l2 like you know that it always points you to where you need to be um so there's no and there's no real sense to go off any any of the beaten path given that half the world is underwater um like there's no real reason to go explore anywhere um so in a, in a way, it does feel empty, but then again, maybe that's part of the point, you know, like that, that might be part of the design. So, uh, of the narrative. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, overall, uh, I think it's, it's a strong showing. Um, I hope that it does really well because I think games like this again are very important. Um, and I want to see more titles like that. And I couldn't be happier that, that I, I put my money towards
0: it, honestly. So yeah. Nice. Right yeah it's definitely gonna be something i i want to check out and play might be something that i could maybe stream i don't know
2: yeah yeah see that's that's i i was i was just gonna say there's um i've been streaming for about a year and a half now and um i like I, my relationship with gaming has changed not only from doing um you know game nights and arcades but also from streaming it becomes like a can i beat this within a stream is this good for streaming um you know games where i would just play endlessly over and over and over uh you know like titanfall or like uh you know whatever something something multiplayer aren't always the most interesting thing to stream sometimes you want the game you know that's 3 hours that has like um, a, a good story and like an interesting atmosphere because it, it it's almost like watching a movie. So yeah, you know, for a stream, it makes sense to have this like kind of like one succinct idea. It's not twelve hours, it's not forty hours, it's not endless multiplayer. It's just this one thing that you do. You get into it. You you know, it has a it has a beginning, middle, and end. Right. Um, and I think that's important, not just for streaming, but I I just mean that like a a component of good streaming, I think, is having like that story arc. You know,
1: yeah, absolutely. This would be really, really good for that i- w- I wouldn't let the the dull objectives um really get in the way of of what a powerful story this is so even if you're yeah even if you're streaming this you're getting this out to other people in the world, I think that this is something that people should see for sure, cool, yeah, that was pretty much it for me,
0: all right, so herb.
2: <laughs> Man, what <laughs> what you list. been playing? <laughs> uh, so um all right, so I I I'm going to talk about some some games I've been playing um nearly, I mean, yeah, all of them are indie games and then I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of roguelike games, which I think deserves its own little section. I'm a big fan of rogue games. Um so all right, so first I want to talk about a game called uh The Deadly Tower of Monsters. Um it is <laughs> Very cheap on PS4. I don't know if it's on Switch. It might be on Switch. I know it's definitely on Steam. Um, I watched my hubby play through this entire thing. Uh It is awesome. It's almost like um, if you ever played Destroy All Humans, it's yeah. like that same theme where it's sort of like 1950s sci-fi hmm. um, or, or like 60s sci-fi. Uh But the whole game is sort of like... It's literally a deadly tower of monsters. So you play, um, you play this dude and you have like a laser gun and you're going through and killing monsters and aliens. And as you go up in the tower, the game doesn't really, um, it's not like stage one, stage two. It's like you're literally going up in a tower and it's all one world. So, and, and the whole game is kind of seen from a top down perspective, um, In kind of a way like Diablo or Zelda, but it's, it's sort of tilted in a way that just, um, it just looks really unique. Uh, also the graphics are very unique. They almost, uh, the closest thing I can think of is that sort of pre-rendered, uber, like, shiny look of, like, Donkey Kong Country back in the day. Um, everything's, like, very glossy. It almost looks like plastic toys, like, that are actually, uh, like something you could reach out and grab. Um, And a lot of the puzzles and, and action is sort of based on the fact that you're, that the whole game is very vertical. Um, and in, in ways that, um, are hard to explain, but what, if you watch a trailer or, you know, uh, ever get a chance to play it, it's, it's very, very unique, lots of interesting dialogue. And every time you do everything, the narrator, much like in the game Bastion, Mm -hmm. narrates what you're doing. Uh, as you're doing it, and 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 it's it feels very unscripted because you know the narrator isn't just talking as you're playing; he's talking about what you're doing, so that can kind of come in any order, um, based on what you're doing as an individual gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, that's that one's an interesting game. I think it's definitely worth looking at. It's um I, I believe it's under ten bucks at this point. Um. Then I want to talk about uh, a game that I picked up on my last stream last week uh and have not put down, and I am itching so hard to play it tonight on stream. Uh It is called The Messenger. Ooh, um, yeah. The Messenger just came out with free DLC on all platforms, so you can just go and get that DLC whether you have the game or not, and then whenever you get the game, it's already in there. Uh The Messenger is almost like if... Shinobi and Ninja Gaiden had a baby with the Mm -hmm. Metroidvania, uh, the Metroidvania sort of, uh, concept. Um, Mm -hmm. you start the game playing what looks like straight up 8-bit Ninja Gaiden, Mm -hmm. but then, uh, spoilers because it's already been out for a while. Um, it, it transforms like on the fly into a 16-bit game that is much more open world like, like Metroidvania, like, you know, Symphony of the Night, that sort of thing. Um and there's parts in it where you're you're literally traveling back within the dimensions of eight and sixteen bit, like like at the same time, like like within the same puzzle, um, in the same way that uh, if you ever played Guacamelee, there's like a whole. There's a whole thing in Guacamelee! Where you're going be- between the living world and the dead world, like, on the fly. Like, within seconds of each other to complete puzzles. And that's how The Messenger does it. Where it's like, you're you're going between 8-bit graphics, music, and presentation to 16-bit graphics, music, and presentation. Like, almost within the same 5-second period in order to get stuff done or-, or defeat enemies. It's really, really unique. Uh And something I really enjoy about it is that it's an action game, sure... There's, there's, you know, light combos to learn. There's a lot of pickups and status upgrades. But every time you go to get an upgrade, you're going to this store to visit this guy. And the dialogue that you have <sighs> with this shopkeeper is so like... So good. Yeah, it's, it's super self-aware. It's fourth wall breaking. Uh, it, it's a lot of social commentary on gaming and uh, a lot of really, like, irreverent, funny shit. And every time you have the option to ask him to tell you a story, mm-hmm. and he has, like... Dozens of stories, like every time I go it's another story, and based on how uh how well you play and when you die or when you find your first hidden artifact he his shop will appear in different places, so you know kind of in almost like a like a like a self automatic learning curve if you do really well you might not see as many shops or if you die a lot, you might see more shops and therefore get more stories from him and therefore get upgrades sooner or later just depending on how you play it, which I find very interesting. You haven't finished this game yet, right? I have not, and oh. I'm looking forward to the DLC.
1: Boy, <laughs> yeah, man. This this game is – the end of this game is insane in terms of like the narrative. Um, yeah. Oh man,
2: yeah, I can't wait for you to finish that thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, the messenger. I'm 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 thoroughly thoroughly uh impressed with this, and it and it scratches that itch of like, you know, like where the fuck have Ninja Garden and Shinobi been? Because I don't know where they've been. <laughs> um, but it but it scratches that itch, and uh, right now, it's twenty bucks on the Switch, and it's thirteen on sale on the PS4, and the DLC is free. Um, love it. Okay, I also want to talk about a game called Slain uh it's S L A I N um it is slain back from hell uh i don't know if there was a first one but this is the one that i played um it is in the digirati bundle on ps4 which i think is about 15 20 bucks and it comes with three other games or you can buy it on its own for about 4 bucks on the switch um it is a beautifully pixel drawn game that looks like something from um almost like the saturn or ps1 era yeah um and is kind of almost like i mean it feels like castlevania right but i would put it closer to it's it's a 2d dark souls it's it's oh uh, that's all
1: you had to say
2: yeah t- <laughs> tough enemies uh lots of dodging out of the way uh you you get different weapons you power up your magic but but your arsenal is essentially very limited on purpose, because it's all about learning the timing and the weight of the mechanics and the gravity of, like, everything you do. Mm. Um, The bosses are huge and monstrous and disgusting, and everything's, like, heavy metal-themed and bloody as fuck. Like, everything's, like, way over the top. Uh, The soundtrack is good if you're into metal. The graphics are just, like, awesome. It's, It's almost like the kind of games that I would dream about as a kid playing Super Nintendo and Genesis, like, at, like... The games that I would dream about future games becoming. Like the pixel art is that good. Um it kind of makes me wish that a game like Bloodstain would have retained that pixel art as as opposed to going to two point five D. But I think that also appeals in a different way. So, you know, no no diss on that. Um But anyway, yeah, Slain Slain is awesome. It's very tough. It's not the longest game in the world, but it's one of those things where um I think if you have an itch for Dark Souls, but we were talking about, uh Rod, we were talking about, you know, g- committing to these long games. Right. Um, if you just want, like, a slice of Dark Souls and you appreciate pixel art, but you don't want to play a game that's going to take you 60 hours where you die 100 times, you're going to die in this game, but, I mean, you might die, like, 10 times before you get the boss instead of 50 times, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the messenger seems to be that way as well. Like, you might die... You know, a handful of times before you actually get what the pattern is, but it's not, it's not tedious, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so that's Slain. Um, and then, um, wow. Okay. So, uh, I, I have to talk about Cadence of Hyrule.
0: Yes. Uh,
2: <laughs> this, this is probably the longest title game I've ever come across. It is, it is literally 13 words. It is Cadence of Hyrule. Crypt of the Necrodancer featuring The Legend of Zelda. That is the title of the game. Um, you could just call it Cadence of Hyrule or Crypt of the Zelda Dancer. That's what I call it. Um, I like it. It's it's awesome. It's a uh it, for for anyone who hasn't played Crypt of the Necrodancer, it's a roguelike game where you go through dungeons on a on a disco floor grid where everything goes to the beat of the music. So you don't have to go to the beat, but if you go to the beat, your weapon and attacks get stronger. And you just feel like a badass. You're like going to this really good, uh, remix of Zelda songs. They, and I'm, I'm they pull so out all the stops of the Zelda music too. They, they I'm, I'm hearing tracks from Wind Waker, from Link's Awakening, from Minish Cap, from Oracle of Seasons, from Majora's Mask. Like they, they pull out all the Zelda tracks. And every time you play, the world is set up completely randomly. So, you know, you're supposed to get the four instruments and go defeat the bad guy. You get to play as Zelda or Link uh which is kind of cool because you never really get to play a Zelda unless you're playing Smash Brothers. Um, and uh I've I've somebody bought it from me for my birthday and I I thought that it was just gonna be Crypt of the Necrodancer with a Zelda skin on it. But it is in fact an entire Zelda game that just happens to go to a beat in the style of Crypto Necrodancer.
1: That's so cool. I need um, to play this game, man.
2: Yeah, really, really cool stuff. Uh it, it feels fresh every time you play it. Um and and they have online leaderboards with daily challenges, so every time every day that you play, you can try to get the game finished in a certain amount of steps or in a certain amount of time. Or with or without certain items, because I, I feel like they took a cue from the Zelda randomizer community, uh, the Link to the Past uh, community of people that play ROM hacks of randomized Zelda games, um, because that's how Cadence feels. It feels like a full blown triple A, uh, you know, sort of like fully Nintendo endorsed version of a Link to the Past randomizer. Um, and anyway, yeah, I've really been enjoying that. I'm almost done with my first run. When I look at the leaderboards it makes me feel like a scrub because people have completed <laughs> this game in like an hour, what? 2 hours and I'm already like 8 hours into it and I still have one more instrument to get so I'm like holy shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've even looked at leaderboards. Like I didn't even know that was a thing.
2: Oh yeah, it's it's a whole like um you can play it where uh, that's the other thing is that I I've, I've talked to people about this game and they're like, "Well, I'm not good at rhythm games." The cool thing is that you can set it up so that, you know, um you you have to match the beat one to one or you can set it up where every time you move it matches to the beat so like it's not it's not necessarily like you have to be a dance Dance revolution master to play this they make it accessible enough where if you just want to play a, a Zelda game you can hop in and it sort of scratches that itch of of uh Link's awakening you know prior to that coming out in September or uh Minish cap my most of my favorite Zelda games other than Majora's Mask um were definitely the top down uh, handheld games, um, from the past. I, I really just, I like Zelda as being a sort of compartmentalized screen by screen, uh, action adventure puzzle game like it, like it started like on the NES. Um, so this definitely scratches that itch. It's not, it, it's an open world and you can do things in any order, but it's, it's screen by screen. There, there's very few instances where you're traveling across a screen that scrolls. It's like each screen is a, is a room essentially, you know? Um. So, yeah, Cadence of Hyrule, super recommended if you like good remixes, if you like dungeon crawlers, if you like Zelda at all. I think it's a perfect little snack before the remake of Link's Awakening drops.
1: Mm, that's a good point. Yeah,
2: yeah so um
1: i i need to play that game man because i i do love rhythm games and chris has talked about this on the on the show a couple times now yeah um and he's had just as glowing of a review as you have um and you know i'm a pretty casual zelda fan but i love love rhythm games yeah And this this seems like a really cool melding um of of those things and and you really went into depth on the leaderboard thing I, i didn't know that like
2: it was that deep, honestly. Yeah, there's, there's like, I, I think there's three different forms of leaderboard. There's one that's by time, there's one that's by number of steps, and then there's a daily challenge where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, try to, try to beat this dungeon or beat this enemy within this many steps or within this amount of time, yeah. or with this c- particular loadout, you know, which is kind of cool. That is very cool. Um, and you, and you get, I mean, you have a full menu just like you do in a Zelda game, you get all the same items, you know, the boomerang, the hookshot, all that stuff, um, and the cool thing is, it, it almost feels like a very streamlined Zelda, because, y- you know, you, you get all these items, you go through this open world, but much like Crypt of the NecroDancer and many other rogue games from the past, you just, you just press towards an enemy to hit them. You don't have to worry about individual inputs for everything. It's very, um I wanna say it's almost casual, but, but, I mean, it's definitely difficult. You, you're gonna die a lot. But the way that it's presented is, like, you they, they trim all the fat. You don't have to worry about every single component right. of what makes a Zelda a complicated game. They just make it, you know, where you just press it and it just does it. Like, right. you know, and you, all you have to really worry about is the beat and, obviously, the order in which you do things and, you know, your health and things like that. But um, but they take the... the it's something i hear a lot at the arcades from gamers um who are either new to gaming or not really big on gaming is that you know especially a lot of older gamers they always say the, the you know the age old the age old quote of there's too many buttons and <laughs> cadence is almost like if you want to play zelda but you don't want to fuck with all the gameplay mechanics you just want to play you just want to get the zelda experience without having to like you know I don't know, uh without having it be a hardcore experience, I think cadence is perfect, sweet, um, okay. so yeah, so there's that, and then uh uh okay, so for multiplayer games, there's a really cool uh puzzle game called inverses um
1: Inver- I feel like I've heard of this
2: it's like uh I'm trying to think of a good. I don't know, it's almost like a mix of the DS game, uh, Polarium, uh.
1: Oh, yes. Okay, I've not,
2: I've not played this, but I've seen it. Yeah, but like mixed with like a shooter kind of. You, okay. Basically, you play a square, it's four player, everybody picks a square, uh-huh. um and you have like a little circle inside the square which represents how many bullets you can shoot. When you shoot, you are essentially revealing and uncovering the path with which you can walk. So, like, if you're a black square, you can only walk on white, and if you're a white square, you can only walk on black, and the only only way to make more of the floor for you to walk on, and therefore to kill your enemies, is to shoot out and shoot at the floor, because when you shoot, it makes more of the floor in the color that you can step on. Okay. So essentially you and your enemies can never actually be on the same space. Right. You can just be next to the spaces mm-hmm. and your you know your whole goal is to either survive or to completely take over all the spaces. It's like a $2 quick game, but it's one of those things where if you have four friends and you have like a night and a couple beers, like this this game could take you the entire night. Like right. it's it's a whole it's a whole thing. Um, it's very simple and it's to the point, but I love games like this. I love puzzle action games. So, um, so yeah. So is this a,
1: um, we, is, is this a, like, not a co-op experience? Like you're playing against your friends, right?
2: Um, I, I all I've seen, you know, you know what? Let me, uh, well, he's sitting right there, but, <laughs> cause Pete, Pete showed it to me, my, my hubby, and, uh-huh. uh, I, I believe it's, generally a counter operative experience but i'm pretty sure you can play on teams as well okay it, um it, it, it can you do um it, is it possible to even play the solo oh yeah okay no so he said right now it's versus the computer or it's versus uh, other other players oh
1: okay oh okay got
2: it got it um and you can also play online uh and of course couch go up. but yeah it's just one of those things where I feel like games like that have sort of been relegated to either mobile experiences or like sort of seen as like, I, I feel like, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was talking to a friend recently and I was mentioning some indie games and he sort of like brushed it off as if indie games are any less valuable than AAA games. And I'm like, right. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, <laughs> a lot of these indie games are the concepts that were AAA games, you know, maybe 20 years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, like, that's what AAA games were. And right. I don't think that it's any, any less compelling or interesting or for that matter, fun. Right. Um, and that's really, I mean, to me, that's really like, is a game fun? Like, like, you know, this podcast is, should I play this? And that's how I measure if I should play something. Is it right. fun? I don't really care how long it lasts. I don't really care what the graphics look like. Is it fun or am I going to be bored? Is it derivative? Is it something I played a million times? And that's, that's kind of, um, where a thing like Inversus shines is that it feels like a game that you played before, but it mixes a couple different games from the past in order to make like a new puzzle action experience. Um, right. and,
0: And I like that you said that because I know that whenever I do reviews or whenever like people, uh, ask me about a certain game, like, uh, something that really weighs heavy on how i rate something is whether or not like at, at the end of the day if i had fun playing it yeah and the game could be like the most you know the best looking game um it could be like uh hollywood voice acted. hollywood voice yeah <laughs> but if it's if it's not fun then i'm gonna be like nah, you, you, you shouldn't play it like it's yeah it's boring it's, it's not it's not fun
2: I also tend to judge games not only from a hardcore standpoint of like, you know, a person like myself who's, who's in the shooters or in the fighters, but also how accessible is the game? Can I plop this down in front of a girl gamer or in front of, you know, uh, a parent or in front of someone who, who hasn't played a game since NES and are they gonna have fun? Because I think that's a really big measure of how good a game is overall is um, just just how how easy it is to learn. It may still have a huge learning curve. It may be hard to master. But if a game takes a lot of... Like a game like, let's say, League of Legends or Dota or even something like um, The Witcher or, you know, uh, Minecraft, a lot of those games have so much potential. They're very well made. They have great graphics. They have a ton of depth. But if you sit it down in front of someone who is not like a dude... Who is a gamer? Like, on a, on a stereotypical level, I mean, a lot of people are just gonna like not be into it because it's too much to process. It's too, it's too complicated. It's too much to get into. There's, there's too much to learn. And I feel like some of the best games of all time, I mean, if you look at like Tetris, right? Tetris is a, a universal success on every level to the point where now it is like still a game being played with Tetris 99. Um, I think the reason why Tetris is so incredible is that you can be a pro and still fuck up, but you can be a person who's never played a video game before in your life and have a fun time
1: yeah yeah, um, like I, yeah so, I, would, I would use my dad as a measure for that he does yes. not like he he's not a super gamer person, but i would I would definitely use him for that
2: cool um. Alright, so now I want to talk about, uh, roguelike games because I have a list of seven and, <laughs> uh, actually, okay, really quick before that, really quick. Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Samurai Showdown. Oh, uh, I forgot yeah, to even mention go, yeah. this. I know on the last time I was on here, I was really excited about it coming out. I have played, other than Third Strike, which I always play, I have not played any other fighting game this much in a very, very long time.
1: Ooh, you just compared uh, Sh- Samurai Showdown and the new one in Third Strike in the same sentence. Do I need, I need to play this game, don't I?
2: I mean, I mean, put it this way. If, if you're looking for extremely fast combo-based fighting, this ain't the game. It is straight up Sam Show like, it's almost like a mix of Sam, Samurai Showdown 2 mm-hmm. with the graphics and presentation of Street Fighter 4 with the, um, some of the pairing mechanics and the fact that it's completely weapon-based of Soul Calibur. Um, damn, okay. I, I'm a huge fan. I feel like this totally sort of almost resets the standard of fighting games. Not that I don't wow. love Marvel vs. Capcom. Not that I don't love Tekken. Not that I don't love DBZ or Undernight and Birth or Guilty Gear. I'm, I'm a fan of all of those. But I think Samurai Showdown sort of reinforces that. That that mentality of like this this game isn't about knowing twenty five hit combos. It's not about knowing um, necessarily the weakness of per character or whatever. It's about timing and patience and defensive mechanisms just as much as offense mechanisms. Um, it's hmm. it's you can parry, you can knock someone's weapon out of their hand, you can voluntarily put your weapon down so that you have a different moveset without your weapon, which in some cases, like, for instance, there's three new characters. One of them is Darley Dagger. She's like a pirate chick. You can put her weapon down, and she has a straight-up wind-up sucker punch that she does, and if it lands, first of all, it has super armor. So, like, if someone tries to hit you, you're just going to go right through it, so they have to hit you twice in the same way that, like, you know, the focus attack from Street Fighter IV. Um, okay. If she hits you with this punch, it is 75% damage. Ooh. So like if 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 you've already hit someone at all and then you do this punch KO like that's it. So it's just you know it, it's a game where it, it, you're you're either I, I've told people a couple times at at the arcades it's like Sam show is like you're good or you're dead. There's no there's no like hmm. there's no in between. There's no like you know well so and so can come back with like forty hit combo and then just like spam the dude into the corner. It's not about that. It's like. It's like you're good. You have to read the people. You have to make sure you know all the uh, all the tools in your arsenal. Um, you can even like when you don't have your weapon, you can catch someone else's blade and knock their weapon out of their hand. Um, they uh, they have uh, a couple. They, everybody has essentially three supers. Um, one super is when you build up your meter. Uh, one super you can do once per match, not per round, per match. So like if you do it in the first round, that's it. That's you. You had that chance. You did it. If you missed or they blocked, that's it. Um, and then you have another move uh, called Eason, where you sort of go into like a super state, and if you catch someone with that. Uh you do a you do a damage based move that is it's based on how much health you have left. So if you only have a sliver of health and you do this ultra essentially, it could kill someone else even if they're at full health. Um, which is interesting. And you can only do that once per match as well. So I just I'm not gonna harp on it too long, but I feel like if you if you like fighting games and even if you don't, I feel like Samurai Showdown sort of resets the playing field of like um uh, the days of you know going against someone who knows every combo, mm-hmm. every launcher, keeping you in the corner, you know, for for minutes at a time, you know, that that whole like, you know, once they get one hit in and you're dead kind of mentality, that's not Sam Show at all. Sam Show is like, you know, you get sliced a couple times and then you learn like, wow, if I don't if I don't learn what to do in the in the remaining sixty seconds of this fight, like I could be dead in two hits. Mm-hmm. You know? It's very high stakes, high reward. Um I've I've put like already like twelve plus hours into the online. Uh it's it's deceptively simple looking. It looks like Street Fighter 4. It feels like there's not a lot to it. But once you do the tutorial and once you go online and kind of watch a couple things, it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. This whole thing. You know, you could be at the end of a tournament and this entire thing could change in an instant. Um and I kind of like that. I'm 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 very much like a I'm very much a fan of like complete skill as opposed to skill and patience as opposed to just like this dude has read this whole book, this whole manual, so he's going to be better than me. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah
2: yeah um, that
1: that that i mean that all of that sounds really exciting because i haven't it's been a very long time since I played samurai showdown um at least in a, a meaningful capacity and yeah. i i was I was very curious about this new iteration like what it was going to bring new to the table in a world where like you know we've got the street you know street fighters doing fine um yeah. d b z has picked up a lot of that slack nowadays um from marvel know, yeah <laughs> yeah from marvel so like you know where does a samurai showdown in 2019 fit Uh, but it sounds like it fits pretty damn well
2: yeah it's um it, the only thing i would say against it is that the loading is a little bit long for what it looks like it looks good it's beautiful it looks like almost like a hand-painted street fighter 4 um the loading is a little long for that and um i don't know i mean it's it's it appears slow, but I feel like once once you know everything that you can do and w- and when you're playing someone who knows everything that you can do, it becomes very tense. Like like you start sweating in very tense battles because one hit could be death. If you're yeah. if you're anywhere under under half health or even under 60% health, one hit could be death.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're Um, you're describing some of like the best moments in
2: fighting games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's almost like Samurai Showdown. Always as a series to me has been like taking that that thing that you're talking about, that the best moments of fighting games, and making a whole game out of that. As opposed to spending you know a whole match chipping someone's damage away. Samurai Showdown's like, I mean, you better you better get in there and slice that shit because if someone slices you, like you're done. You know, right. Right. Um. I really like the mechanic of being able to parry and after you parry, you have the option to knock someone back or to uh flip the weapon out of their hand. Or I, I love how that you can voluntarily put down your weapon and then you have a different moveset. Um some of the characters like Charlotte can still do her supers without her weapon. Um the uh the mechanic of not having a weapon is also kind of like a strat too, because when you don't have your weapon you're faster. But you take more block damage, and you don't have as much range. So it just depends on how you want to play. Um, a big part of the strategy also is to knock someone's weapon out of their hand and then go, like, jump past them and move the screen over so that they cannot actually go get it again. Uh, I've seen that in a couple of clips. Yeah. Where and
0: where someone was, cool. like, dominating throughout the whole round, and then the guy then turned lose it weapon. around. And they lost the weapon, and then pretty much he's camped over the weapon and stopped <laughs> him from,
2: from reaching wow. it right wow. and if you're not if you're not sort of like thorough in your training on training without your weapon and you don't know you don't know what your character has in that second move set then you're fucked you know um so i i i'm not going to say it's better than any other fighting game or whatever but i will say that i have played it more than just about any other fighter in recent times um other than guilty gear i i would put it that and guilty gear i would say are the best modern 2d fighters um, I like it better than Street Fighter V, but it is a different game. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a better game, but I like it better. I'll say that.
0: I mean, just based on what you described, it sounds like there's more, there's more strategy.
2: Yeah, to, it's, it's all about patience. It.
0: Yeah. And like, I, I hate playing a game where like if someone knows a character and like I'm just not picking up the game and they get me with like a, you know, 40 hit combo and like I'm just sort of sitting there. Like, right. Like
2: watching the cutscene happen.
0: Yeah. But this <laughs> game it sounds like, all right, once I figure out how to knock a weapon out of your hand, okay, now I have a chance.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny. Um the tutorial is very thorough, although I will say it does not tell you how to voluntarily put your weapon down. I had to look that up online. Um but everything else, there's there's about four mechanics that are really crucial. And if you don't know them, then you're at a disadvantage, but the tutorial explains all that to you, and you get an achievement just for finishing the tutorial. So that's just you know a thing you get a trophy.
0: Let me ask, um, what's the how's the community uh, eating this game? Like, are they are they playing it? Are they excited about it?
2: What's going um, on? So 404 Esports here in Atlanta, they have run a couple tournaments so far. I have yet to go to one, but it's exciting to see people excited about this. I feel like many fighting game folks have accepted this as uh, among the ranks of other fighting games. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Samurai Showdown has a very long history. Yeah, I remember exactly. playing it. Some kid brought it to uh school one day for, like, after school or whatever. When I was in, like, third grade, he brought Samurai Showdown 2 on Genesis. And that, like, blew my mind. Not only because it was so bloody, but because um, it was the first fighting game I'd ever played that was completely weapons-based. Um and it's just you know it's just different. It's got like a, it's got a very ancient, uh, rural Japan kind of vibe. Yeah. Um. All the characters are are very old archetypes, like things that um, like you know Hatori Hanzo is is like a long running character in it. Um. It's got a lot of very strange characters. Uh, like earthquake is almost the size of the entire uh, half of the screen. <laughs> um. And like you know you think that that would give you an advantage necessarily, but not. Necessarily, um, I I think people are accepting it, and from what I heard, it's going to replace melee at Evo, so that's a huge deal. Um, I think yeah. SNK. I
0: just heard, I just heard a, a ton of people yelling just now. Uh,
2: yeah, they've, they've <laughs> got
0: they've got ultimate. They're fine.
2: It's true, <laughs> and and I mean, you know, melee is great, but it's also been on the roster for a long time. And Samurai yeah. Showdown, it's been uh 15 years since Samurai Showdown six, so. I think it deserves a little bit of limelight, especially, um, in, in a climate with fighting games where many fighting games are all about juggling and combos. And this is like, sort of like the, this is almost like, you know, Dr. Dre just showing up and being like, whoa, 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 this is how we used to hip hop. You know what I mean? Uh Like Samurai Showdown's like, this is how we used to play fighting games, you know, uh, updated for the new generation, but with the mechanics of somebody who remembers it from the nineties. Um, so anyway. All that said, Samurai Showdown is amazing. It is still full price right now, and the DLC for it was free up until July 1st. Um, I believe it's 20 bucks, and that gets you the four characters that are going to come out. Um, and they have some cool costumes in there, too. Like, you can be Haomaru or Nakaruru in, in uh, uh, sort of a retro 3D painted costume over them, so it makes them look like the 2D games, but over a 3D model. It's kind of cool.
1: Do the, are so are you earning the costumes, like, in game, or do you have to, like, uh, buy them?
2: Um, you have to, there, there's, like, every character has, like, four, um, at least for palettes, and then, uh, the DLC, the free DLC came with a few, but then all the rest, yeah, I think they're like two or three bucks. Okay. Okay. The content of the game, I would say, is not, Super meaty. The story mode is very old school fighting game where you just play through a story. There's a couple cutscenes. There's a different right. ending for every character. But I think the meat of the game is the gameplay. And I will say the online is very well done. Um, I feel like there's very little lag. I've played people in like five different countries. Uh, the, the room setup is pretty cool. I mean, it just put it this way. I didn't, I don't think anyone should buy Sam's show for, um, for, like... Single-player single content? No, no, it's not. It, right. You buy it so that you can play with people or play online.
1: Right, this is, it's not a realms game.
2: No, no, exactly. Right. And that's something where I think Mortal Kombat really shines, or Injustice, is that, you know, there is stuff to do if you just want to play by yourself. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, Sam's show is, is old-school in a lot of ways, but I think it it's, it's bringing a facet of old-school fighters back to the modern... Age that has been missing. Like, mm-hmm. it has has just truly been missing for a while in fighting games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so, okay, so, if, I, I mean, are y'all cool with me going on a rogue rant here?
0: Yeah, yeah let's go. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs>
2: alright. So, uh, first I'm going to start with a very light game. Um, all of these games are rogue-like games, essentially, for anyone that doesn't know, because I feel like every other week someone's like, what's a rogue game? A rogue game is a game... Where uh, primarily you are um, given a loadout of different status upgrades or items, and then you you venture off into a randomized dungeon or world uh, where every time it's different, and when you die, you are dead, and you have to start all over again unless you get specific items. Um so the first one is uh, a really quick little mobile game. It was a ninety cents on the Switch store. It's called Digger Man. It's almost like a mix between it's almost it's like Dig Dug, but if Dig Dug was randomized. Um so you're a a little dude and you dig down into dirt left or right, and like you only have to press left and right, but on the way down is a randomized assortment of Money and loot boxes, and uh, you're basically trying to save your girlfriend. Every time you get further and further down, uh, you unlock uh, more money, obviously, and more ways to make passive money on the surface with little shops and things that open up. Um, it's not super complicated. It's the kind of game you sit down and play when you when you're waiting for your spouse to get ready, and you have like ten minutes. It's that kind of it's that kind of game. Um, Is it
0: loot boxes or surprise mechanics?
2: Um, it's like, basically, you just find these random boxes that either give you money or more things to make you passive money, or more, uh, you know, skins or characters, things like that. Um, it's, it's a very simple game. It's probably on Android and iOS, I haven't even checked, but it's one of those games where I'm like, I, I looked at it, I saw that it was 90 cents, and I've already put two and a half hours in, so, they're, that's saying something, you know what I mean? Um... It's definitely a great, like, waiting room game. If you take your Switch anywhere with you, it's a great game when you only have a couple minutes to play, or if you just want to, like, play something that doesn't take a ton of thought. But it, it, it's, it's also one of those games where, it's hard to describe this, like, where, uh, as fast as you press the button is as fast as the game reacts. So there's no cap on how quickly you can move. If you can dig all the way down in the dirt and get way far down, and, you know, if you can, Click it super fucking fast and make it and not actually hit anything or die, then cool. Uh, if, if you want to go that fast, it, the game matches your skill. So I, I kind of love games like that even if they're really simple like that. So I guess like, um, sort of like super hot. Alright. Uh, like super hot, yeah, or like, you know, it's, it's almost like if, uh, if Crossy Road and Dig Dug had a baby. It's like that kind of thing. Mm, you know, it's okay. very, very simple. This is not a core game at all, but it's definitely something that like is a good little quick time waster. And, um, put it this way, I've never put two and a half hours into a game like this before. So <laughs> usually games like this, I play for like half an hour of total time and then I'm like, okay, I'm done. You know, but this one is just like, I think this is one of those situations where the Switch shines because the Switch is about literally you press a button and your Switch is on within two seconds. And you can sit down and play this game and have – you could do five runs in five minutes. You know what I mean? And just like sit down and do quick little runs and then put it down. It's just it's just one of those quick little fun games, you know? Yeah. Um, So that's one. Okay. Then I'm going to talk about a game called Mana Spark uh which is also about two to four bucks in the Switch store. Mana Spark is a game that takes a little bit longer. It is also a rogue. Um, you set up camp in a forest uh with a bunch of essentially muggles, like people that don't possess any magic, don't have any magic, and you are going into dungeons and um the rest of the forest to battle minions that a race of people who have mastered magic are trying to keep from people who don't have magic, which sounds a lot like our political climate. <laughs> uh, so nice. every time you play, it's random. And the cool thing is, the further you get into it, um, you you meet other people that you rescue and then can either become them, and they have completely different attributes, different amounts of dashes, different... Uh, speeds of walking different weapons or you meet people that you send back to your camp and then they provide a new service for you like uh, keeping a bestiary or uh, crafting new weapons for you or whatever um, the bestiary uh, lady that you meet she basically you can pay her uh with stuff that you find, you know, that's just out in the world, you can pay her to for the next run to uh sort of sabotage a particular enemy that you're having a hard time with and then that enemy will be weakened for the next, you know, uh subsequent runs, which is kind of cool. Um also I I think the battling in it like the the is is very it's very much like the game Titan Souls or like oh, yeah. um it's it's like you can't just go in and hack and slash willy nilly. You have to be careful. The guy you start off with is a hunter and you have an arrow and there's a cooldown um with your bow and arrow and uh you have to be very clever with your dodging because you know, you usually start out with only three hit points and uh like the game slain that i was talking about earlier it's it's very much like if you try to go in and just like rush down you're going to die like that's just if you want to have a really good successful run and find a lot of good loot you have to be careful uh you have to be you have to be you have to take your shots carefully you have to strategize where your enemies are placed and you know not get cornered uh it feels much more uh mature than it would suggest by watching this trailer. It feels a lot more um a lot more meaty than just any other game that might fit into this category.
1: Okay. Um
2: so there's also a game called uh oh, so here's a game I've been putting a ton of time into. Uh I'm a huge fan of Bomberman, a huge, huge fan. And right now uh Bomberman Super Bomberman R for the Switch and for PS4 Ooh, is still yeah. like thirty, forty bucks for whatever reason, I mean, it's, it's Bomberman. Don't get me wrong, I love Bomberman, but it's Bomberman. Like, it's, you know, there's only so much to it. So, right. uh, as a great supplement for Bomberman, there's a game called Bombslinger. Uh, I got it for four bucks on the Switch. I think full price it is twelve bucks. Um, it has a full-blown Bomberman battle mode game where, you know, four players, all that, just like any other Bomberman game. But the kicker is that, first of all, it's Western themed. You play as a, an old farmer who was part of like a band of thieves, uh, that double cross him, burn down his house, and kill his wife. So, yeah. <laughs> so, the story is like you going to get revenge on this, and you happen to be a demolitions expert, so that's the setting, and it's a rogue bomb, bomberman game. So, you go off into randomly generated environments, you find shops, you find loot, uh, Lots of different enemies have uh, very... It's not just like Bomberman where you go and kill enemies and they just kind of walk around. Uh, some of them have shotguns. Some of them can grab bombs from different areas and put them into other areas. Um, some enemies can eat bombs entirely. Uh, you can pick up guns and have entire second secondary weapons. Uh, the more you unlock, you unlock status upgrades to start with and you can only have a loadout... Of two or three or four or five, depending on how far you in the ga- you are in the game. Um I'm just saying if you like rogue games and you have an itch for Bomberman and you don't want to spend thirty or forty bucks on actual bomberman, Bombslinger is awesome. Um it, it does, does not
1: pretty cool actually.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's great. It has awesome pixel art, it has an awesome soundtrack. Uh is it like Western influenced? Oh yeah completely it's it feels okay. like uh it feels like you're playing like <laughs> like like if like if Red Dead Redemption had a Bomberman mini game in it that would be Bombslainer. I'm in you know um and again it's you know it's it's randomly generated so uh, you could have a really good run you could have a really shitty run you could have a good run where you get overconfident and you have six hit points and you have 12 bombs and you have full flame and you have a shotgun and you're doing really well and then one boss just that's it like you know, and then you gotta start over um you can get items that let you uh resurrect from death and also there are uh the bosses are also randomized so every time you get to the end of an area it might not be the boss that you fought last time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um which is pretty cool um i'm I'm a huge bomberman fan the only thing this game is missing uh is uh, like pretty much online mode is the only thing I would say that it could use because I would love I, I called up my best friend who lives in Arizona. We used to play a lot of Bomberman back in the day. Um like a lot. Like he's like pro like he's 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 really good at Bomberman. Like I I don't know how else to say it, but he will beat your ass at Bomberman. <laughs> um so I was looking forward to playing this with him, but there's no online mode. So it's definitely like uh, couch co-op four player kind of thing or single player experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there's also a game that is about 90 cents on the Switch store called Space Ribbon. Um, this is a racing game. It's four player, but you can have up to 32 cars in the race. Whoa. Um, and what's really cool is that is a randomly generated racing game. So you're racing in the middle of space while a, this is going to sound weird, but while a giant panda head or tiger head kind of spits out the track uh, from its mouth and you okay. race to who can get to the panda or the tiger head first, it sounds like a total knockoff indie thing. It is. It looks like something that is 90 cents. I think it is worth that. I I, I
1: can't even find it on
2: Google. <laughs> like <laughs> it is it is space ribbon, just look up space ribbon switch it should come up um so the cool thing though, the cool thing that is that first of all, it has one loading in the beginning, and then after that, every race loads crazy fast, and it actually looks really, really good for a game that costs ninety cents okay um you can have up to thirty two cars on the track with zero slowdown uh you unlock different tracks, and the kicker is that. If you play with like four people or whatever, three people can play as race, as cars, which you unlock. There's all these different things you unlock. They have weapons, they have bots. There's a huge amount of customization in how long the track is, uh, the weapons that you have, you know, uh, the, the, the theme and the palette. You can make it look trippy. You can make it, uh, have all these different palettes to make it look like a different game, and the kicker is that uh, one of your racers can actually be the panda and can build the track while the other people race on it, hmm. um, which I think is really cool. I've never really played a game where someone makes the track for me as I'm racing on it. So um, I just played it last night with a couple people at uh, Plankton Play, and, you know, it's definitely a budget game, but it's one of those things where, like, for a dollar... If you have an itch for racing games that are uh unique or you know not a simulation and just kind of wacky and silly and you know you also want to play stuff where you get to like you know throw red shells and green shells essentially at people I think Space Rumble is actually really cool. Um so yeah. Then uh <laughs> we have a game called uh Lazy Galaxy Rebel Story. Um this is, I need
1: to know what this is.
2: <laughs> this is also on the Switch. It is also a roguelike game. Um, it is a roguelike, uh, bullet hell, es- essentially. Um, you pick a ship out of six different ships. You pick a backup ship or two or three backup ships that, uh, ride alongside you, uh, like as options, which, you know, if you don't know in a shoot em up game or a bullet hell game, an option is a secondary ship that you keep to your side that fires with you. Um, all of the ships and all of the options have different attributes. And every time you go out into the world, it's a randomly generated, uh, bullet hell experience. So you might find some good loot. You might find some bad loot. You might have a good run. You might have a bad run. You might come across a huge, gigantic boss that totally wrecks you. You might come across a smaller boss that's not so hard and you try to get it, get further and get further and unlock more ships and stuff. Um, I, I just have like, such a as such like a hard on for roguelike games because it's essentially taking mechanics from games that are um more or less you know have have been done many many times and turning them into something that is endlessly playable um and i'm 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 just a big fan of having uh options of having Something I can sit down and play and know how to play and know what to expect, but have a different experience every time I play.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. That's what you would want out of a, out of a rogue, you know, or like.
2: So, um, so yeah, so that's my list. I, I mean, there are some more, but I mean, I, I think that's, that's good. That's like 12 games.
0: I mean, do
1: you have any other ones that are like super like you you really want to make sure that you you get
2: out out there? Um definitely I think everyone needs to play The Messenger uh and everyone needs to play Cadence of Hyrule and if you like fighting games, you should absolutely play Samurai Showdown. Um if we're uh, so okay, well if we're talking about um fighting games, there's another game called Kuihime Enbu. It's uh I will type this in for you. What, is it, uh, what platform is it on? It is on PS4 and I believe Steam. Um, it is an anime fighter. It was like 12 bucks. Um, it feels very similar to Blaze Blue or Guilty Gear. Not with the level of production value of those games, but the animation is pretty good. It's an all-girl fighter. You pick a girl and then you pick an assist girl and you go at it. Um, it has a, a really cool mechanic where if you you know, you know, the, the layout of your buttons is light, medium, heavy, and then you have like a special. When you hit the special, it does what's called a gone attack, like a gone like, you know, like a gone that you ring. Um when you hit someone with a gone attack, you can then turn it into sort of like an endless juggle or combo as long as you can pull off moves correctly. Um all the characters feel unique, and that's something else about Sam's show is that every character feels unique. There's no carbon copy. Uh, there's no, like, palette swap. Every single character feels like a different, you know, a, a totally different moveset and vibe.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's um, what you want. You need that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, I, you know, I, I used to be a big fan of, uh, Ball on PS1, and the big thing with Ball Part 2 is that it had like a hundred plus playable characters in a fighting game, which was kind of amazing, but I mean, let's be real. It was 40 characters, and the rest were all palette swaps, and with very minor differences, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. um so it's nice to see kind of focused fighting games that are, are a little uh shorter in the roster but have uh unique uh unique mechanics to each character uh kuihimi enbu has a full-blown online mode um i i stuck it in uh, a couple streams back and some guy on twitch saw that i was playing it and was like whoa you know this game and i'm like no but i just bought it and so he got on with <laughs> me and we played for like three hours it was great wow um and he was good. He like taught me the ropes and everything. I don't think there's a scene for it. I don't know if there's a community for it, but if you like Guilty Gear or Blaze Blue or Nitro Blasters or D B Z and you want something that's different, something that is all girl fighter, like Arcana Hearts, you know, something that's kind of a variation of those games. I think it's a really cool fighting game. Sweet. Okay. Um and then I guess uh there is one more game I will sure. talk about. Um So there's a game called Snake Pass. Um, Ah,
1: yes, I am aware of Snake Pass.
2: Yeah, Snake Pass is like if if Banjo Kazooie and Spyro and Crash, basically, if you want to scratch that itch of like collectathon with very cute characters and really good graphics and shiny. Cute things to just like grab to where it makes you want to like, f- you know, get that OCD fix of collecting everything. Yeah. Um, but you play as a snake and you have to sort of wrap yourself around the environment in, 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 uh. in increasingly complicated and <laughs> often frustrating, but still charming ways.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's oddly satisfying, like seeing the yes.
2: physics of the, yeah. the
1: wrapping kind of work.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it was funny. I was playing it last stream and all of the the chatters were like, "Wow, Herb, you're you're making the face that the snake is making on screen as you try to wrap yourself <laughs> around this shit." And it's true. I mean, I mean, it's just it's very like you're trying to like basically master four buttons. Um one button is to make you go forward, one button is to make you grip things, one button is to make you kind of move upwards and one button is to make you move downwards. And mastering all those to get yourself around the environment without falling off the edge is like so hard, but once you get it, it's really fun and it's the kind of game that it knows that that's hard. So it's not very unforgiving. I mean, it's, it's, it's very much like, you know, you, you were going to get this coin, but you fell off the, the, you know, you fell off the ledge. Okay, cool. You respawn right where you were and you can just go try again. It's not like, you know, it's not like you have to start the whole level over.
0: It's always been a game that I've seen on sale on the Switch. I just never pulled the
2: trigger. So, uh, I got it because it was seven bucks instead of twenty. And I definitely think it's worth that. Um, if you, if you have an itch for like, you know, I mean, lots of people talk about ukulele or a hat and time. Those are great games as well. But if you want something that kind of takes that collect-a-thon 3D platformer thing, and does something unique with it that has really—I don't think ever been done. I don't think I've ever played a game quite like this. Um, I think Snake Pass is worth it. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely got a learning curve, but um, I think it's something that would be great to trade off with like a friend or like with a date mm-hmm. um, to try and like kind of get it. Uh, it. It's 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 super forgiving, and I think that was a very smart move on the developers' part um because if you had to like put it this way if i had to restart the level over every time i fell off i would not be playing this game <laughs> cuz i fell off like 25 times the first time i tried to get that coin that was underneath the bridge oh my god yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fun though uh and and it's definitely got an interesting an interesting twist on 3d platformers i'll say that yes agreed agreed it's it's cute it's charming like
1: you said it's charming it's cute i would I, yeah, it, it's 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 a fun time, and like I said, there's something oddly satisfying about like the mechanic or the the visual of like the slithering. I mean, maybe that would yeah. keep, that might, that might creep some people out, but like for me, it was <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's it's a neat concept
2: for sure. So um, yeah, I think that's pretty good. I uh I I've been playing a lot of games lately, kind of dipping my toe in stuff, but I would say the games I have put a lot of time into since we talked definitely Sam's show definitely cadence Bombslinger, and um and the messenger excellent sure. that's that's
1: yeah. that's a murderer's row right there I love it love yeah it. we're
2: definitely we're definitely gonna get the um
0: all the games that you listed in the description so if any of them sound you know fun to you you can you know see where you could find it pick it up and play it and mm-hmm. just like anything that we talk about on the show or on any of our content um go ahead and leave a comment. Talk about if you played any of these games, let's talk about it. If you think it sounds interesting, uh pick it up and then later come back and let we'll us know what you think about it.
2: And you know what, I just want to encourage uh all the gamers out there to give things a chance. I mean, sure, when you see something in the store for a good deal, I mean, uh, you know, look it up. I'm always looking up on Metacritic or on YouTube to try and get a feel before I buy anything, even if it's only a dollar. But, you know, give things a chance. Not every, uh, not every indie game is at the level of a AAA game, but at, in the same token, not every indie game is at the level of a mobile game either. Uh, I, I would say the indie game scene has a lot of innovation going on and a lot of like combining uh, various retro games into a single concept that, that kind of, you know, hits you from all sides. Um, there are lots of great rogue games out there. And something I eternally love about indie games is that there's very little to no hype. It's not this huge buildup of like, um, you know, expectations and, you know, paying full price for something. It's like, Hey, here's this mechanic we're a small team or maybe even one person and we really have a passion for games and we're going to put out this cool thing with awesome art and a soundtrack by some person that you can find on Instagram. Like it's just, it's just got a very grassroots kind of like back to basics feel um, in, in particularly the eShop on switch and also a lot of the PS4 deals. Um, lots of really good games. And a lot of them come in bundles. The Digerati bundle is four games for like 12 or 15 bucks. And even if you only play each of them once, I feel like just the fact that people are pushing uh game concepts and game presentation at a price that is not gonna like kill you or be a disappointment when it's not a finished game, I think that's important. I think that's something worth uh investing in.
0: Yeah, and like I've I've found like a a ton of games that were, you know, less than five bucks that I've pumped a lot of time into just like unknowingly. And yeah. And at the, like I said earlier in the episode at the end of the day it's all about having fun with this stuff. Yeah. Like if it's if it's something that you enjoy, that you're having like you're pumping in a lot of time into that you're having fun, go for it. For sure. All right. So, this week uh we're going to go ahead and jump into the news and um I'd say this this news week is a, is a little bit light. ah yeah 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 (laughs) Switchlight, you say (laughs) for me i was like wait really (laughs) but um before we jump into the nintendo stuff um i I sort of want to shout out uh shoots of rage 4 they announced that the original composers are coming back for this new game so that in itself like i was already hyped for this game But I'm even more hype. Like this is, this is more than a day one. It's a day zero. As as soon as it drops, I'm picking this game up.
1: Yeah. All you had to say was Hideki Nagamura, the composer for It Radio, and I'm in
2: all the way in. Not to mention this is made by the same studio who recently last year remade Wonder Boy, uh, the dragon's trap. Um, which was an old Master System game that these guys took Uh. and completely revamped with hand-drawn animation, which just like the, uh, much like the, the Halo Anniversary Collection, with a single button press on the fly, you can switch between 8-bit music and graphics or brand new music and graphics on the fly.
1: Very nice. Um, Yeah.
2: And they are doing wonderful things. I'm, I'm super happy for them. Um, I'm trying to think of their name, the studio. Um, I think it's, uh, Lizard Cube is -hmm. who makes it. But yeah, they're doing Streets of Rage 4. The animation looks sick as fuck. The music is going to be good. And I'm very, I'm very impressed with whatever is remaining of, you know, the heart and soul of Sega for just, you know, instead of going after these teams and sort of like, getting, you know, flexing legal shit with them. They're just like, hey, y'all want to remake our old games and make them better? Cool, please do it. You have our endorsement. I like that. I think that's cool.
0: Right, need, I I feel like we need more of that. Like, there, there are a lot of developers that sort of want to, like, you know, use some of these licenses, but they always have to deal with legal teams. So yeah. it's it's good to see, you know, uh, games like Shoots of Rage coming out. It's good to see Nintendo playing nice with, um the, the people that made Canons of Hyrule, like they let them basically yep. make, uh, their, their, their version of a Zelda game and look at how that came out. Yeah, so yeah. hopefully we'll see more of that down the road. But, um, oh, go no, ahead. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, continuing into the news, we're going to go ahead and talk about something that feels like we've been talking about for a while, but not really like going in depth with it because it wasn't officially confirmed but now it's confirmed uh nintendo introduced the nintendo switch Lite, and it's pretty much what the rumors are saying it was going to be it's a device dedicated to handheld gameplay so essentially it is the nintendo switch in handheld mode like at all times replacing the 3ds see what's what's funny though is that yeah i think on paper yes it's replacing the 3ds but Nintendo has gone on record saying that if the demand for 3DS is still there, they'll still support it, which and is good. which is good. Like I feel like Nintendo, they're they're good on doing stuff like that. So sure. uh, the the 3DS definitely like it. I feel like it still has a form factor that you you really can't replicate on the Switch because yeah. of its screens. So you know if. They want to still make 3ds games. Like I'm still for it. You know, I still have my 3ds. Not getting rid of it. Same. But the I feel like the Nintendo Switch Lite. It's is is one of two things. It's it's more so for people that want to jump into the Switch. You know, at a cheaper price. Right. And then also for people that you know, I guess really see themselves just you know being on the go with it. Because like I know for myself, uh, my Switch. I want to say honestly. 80% of the time, I'm normally playing in handheld mode, gotcha. but I I feel like I'm also, you know, the type of gamer that I want, you know, all of the options. So me personally, giving up, you know, docked mode, giving up the Joy-Cons, I couldn't really do that myself, but, um I mean, the option is there for, you know, people that just want to get the system, see what the hype is about, because, you know, at the end of the day, 300 is still a lot. For a lot of people to sort of jump into a um a marketplace that they're not too sure of, like yeah, there's great games on the switch. I feel like every episode we talk about the switch in some yeah. form or fashion, but um is it i' I don't know stuff to say that you know the the switch really isn't for everyone. I don't know if I really should be saying that, but um. i I don't know. Like, I feel like the the switch. If you let it, if you if you let it be, the switch can be for you. You can find games that you like, or find games that you'll fall in love with. But the two hundred dollar price point makes it easier to jump into that. Yeah. I no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like, I I
1: think like yeah. So I'm I'm I think I'm with you on on this. I think like the two hundred dollars is to me like the thing about this that i could it's like the the sole reason i can understand someone really wanting this because i feel like everything else is made redundant by the original switch so like it's 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 a handheld okay so is the switch um it's smaller i guess a little easier to carry around i guess you're still not gonna be putting it in your pocket um so it's not that mobile, it's not that much more mobile, but I mean, for, for me, it's gotta be a marketplace thing at this point. Um, it has, it has had, it has to have everything to do with the, the 3DS, but like you just said, Nintendo's already gone on record on saying that they'll still support it, which, okay, fine. Um, but I, I I just don't know if I 100%, at least I know for me personally, like, I, I'm not gonna get one just because I, I don't, I personally don't see the need for one, but maybe like, you know, uh, some parents might get this for a kid. Um, they'll think 199 looks a lot better than 299, which it does. You know, that's better. Um, you know, you won't be able to play certain games on it. One, two switch is not something that you'll be playing together as a family. Um, that will be impossible,
0: right? Without HD rumble and all that other stuff. Um, so, See, and that's the thing that I'm surprised about with the, uh, the Switch Lite, is that I'm surprised they're not giving you the option to, like, if you wanted to dock it, you could dock it, and if you wanted to go out and buy Joy-Cons, you could do that. Right. They, like, they're completely stripping all of that feature
2: away. And, and so here's, here's my, my thing with it. I think, I think they are overstepping their bounds. I think if you're gonna take away, first of all, if you're gonna take away the Joy-Cons and you're gonna take away, and you're not gonna just stick an HDMI out on it, then it needs to be 150 because let's be real, there's still no online community. There's still no shopping cart. There's still no voice chat. There's still no Netflix and Twitch. So I'm like, so really this is only for people who only want the Switch in handheld mode or for people who don't already have a Switch, but I'm look, for me, I'm like, if I was, if I was a parent, right? And my kid was like, well, I want this Switch for 199 I would be like, literally, son, like, save up your, save up literally $100 more and just get the full blown thing. I mean, it just, it, the regular Switch does so much more that I feel like if they're going to strip away all that, then it needs to be a little bit cheaper than that. Um, I I'm kind of like I can't believe they they couldn't just stick an HDMI out on it. It doesn't even have to be like the dock thing, just an HDMI out. Like that's all it would need. Um the Switch also does not do Bluetooth audio still, and I'm fine with all of those shortcomings for the regular Switch because it is also a handheld uh but I think I think the Switch Lite to me feels almost like the equivalent to like the iPod shuffle if you guys remember where it's like hey You could spend 300 on this iPod that like you could watch movies on, you could do all this stuff on, but for a little bit cheaper, you can do this one, you can buy this other one, but it literally doesn't have a screen, therefore cutting out like 75% of the functionality of it. Like, albeit for cheaper, but I'm like, well, how about I just save my money and then just get the real one? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just my mentality. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, my
1: Switch is, is a handheld. Like, I've docked, I've docked it, like, maybe twice, and I've owned it since, almost since launch. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, again, I, I don't know, like, they can't be going after, someone like me like they they can't be um and so you know i'm trying to look at it through that lens of you know um people who you know can only really get one console generation or who just don't buy a lot of games in general but they're interested in nintendo stuff so like that's that's cool that's fine um but yeah like the technical limitations are you know Unfortunate, Um, you know, maybe inevitable considering what they're trying to accomplish. Um, But, yeah, like, I'm interested to see almost now more so, like, what they do with the original SKU. Because when this – when these rumors were coming out, like, I think Chris and I both had conversations about, like, well, I mean, they surely can't have three Switch SKUs on the market. Like, that seems – Incredibly redundant. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, with with that next story, I well, let's just say we're, we're going to revisit. Okay. You, know, you saying that? Okay. Because I, I feel like they're totally
2: going to do that now. You think, think so?
0: Yeah. I don't know, man.
1: Well, we could wait till we go we get there.
2: But I think the Switch Lite is for a very specific kind of person, and that is probably the person that doesn't have a game console or doesn't have a Switch, and they just want to dip their toes in. Yeah. Um. But I definitely, it's not, I know 50 bucks sounds like a quibble, but I'm like, look, if it doesn't already do all this stuff that other consoles do in the, in the vanilla Switch, and then you're gonna only cut it a hundred, and then it also doesn't do the thing that the console is named for, which is to actually switch. The, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, I'm like, work with me, Nintendo. 150 for that light. And then maybe like, okay, maybe if you come out with a Switch Pro, okay, 400, sure, sure, cool. Because you know, like I I guess I look at I look at this um, I look at everything like bar charts, right? The Switch can is a console and a handheld. It's got detachable joysticks. It comes with two controllers as opposed to every other console on the market, which only comes with one. Um, But if I want to watch Netflix or Twitch, I got to plug in my PS4, or I got to switch the HDMI. Mm -hmm. If I want to use a browser or I want to do voice chat, I have to plug in. I have to use something else. To do the thing that I should be able to do, everything with I know that that isn't what they're going for, but I'm like okay. With that said, then a hundred bucks off is not enough for something that for for put put it this way, it's not for existing Switch owners. That's for damn sure, for sure, for sure, for Um, sure. And I don't think I mean they're not they're not like they're not dumb. They're not marketing it towards that, but I just wish that the light offered something a little better than just a smaller form factor because either way. The regular switch or the light, they're both not pocket-sized. Still, they're they're still not pocket-sized, and that's where, like you were saying, the form factor of the 3ds, and for that matter, the DS Lite. I still like when I go on trips. I have one little bag that has uh, a PSP Go in it, uh, a DS Lite, and uh, and a 3ds because they all have different games I want to play, and they're all super tiny, um, and they all close. So you know you're not going to get the thing damaged. It's not going to get scratched, um, and that's the thing is the switch is still kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a big Android tablet. Um, it's not it's not very compact. Even the light is not very compact. Right. And and it has no form of protection for the screen. Um, and that's something I've always loved about the the DS line is that you know you close it. It's a clamshell. It's got it's it's like the it's like the modern game and watch. You know, it, it protects itself just by being itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um so yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't think it's wrong for them to do this. I think it was probably gonna happen anyway. But I wish Nintendo would sort of um I don't know. I wish they would sort of acknowledge the shortcomings and kind of work with people who like like a hundred bucks. You know, these days doesn't go all that far anymore. It depends on, it depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about game sales, sure. But, you know, if you're talking about rent and bills, a hundred bucks does not go very far. So if it's just gonna take me another hundred bucks to, to get the real Switch, like, if I didn't have one, I still would probably just wait for that one. You know, I'd, I would just save my money. Yeah, you don't have to worry about what's in, what's playable in a handheld mode only. Um,
1: you know, yeah. you don't, you don't have to worry about uh, any sort of performance. Um, adjustments. Are, do we have reported performance adjustments yet? Like, it's is it going to perform?
2: Um, well, I guess as far it as I know, it, it seems to be like the regular, like the regular switch. The regular.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So a little I bit guess. less of what the newer one will be. Um, yeah. So no, yeah, like,
0: it's gonna, and then of course it's gonna have like a newer battery, so the battery life's gonna be better. Right. right which um, is good.
2: That's the other. That's the only other thing about the switch where I'm like, it that that needs an upgrade for sure.
0: Yeah. 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 I. My last stance on this is that I feel like what they're trying to aim for is they're trying to uh shoot for what they did with the two DS. So yes, yes. I, I feel like that's what they're shooting for, but with like some of the shortcomings, it, it feels like it's they're taking away more than yes. just like what they did with the three DS and the two DS.
2: Right. They're they're taking away more than a hundred dollars worth, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. yeah. I feel like – maybe this is a
1: contrivance, but I do feel like something like HD Rumble, um, or really just Rumble in general, uh, makes a lot of the um, gameplay experiences I have on Switch, especially with the Nintendo first-party games, like, really special. Um, it really um, – they, they sure. just – like, I not playing some of these games with that would feel a little different to me. Um, and I'm not even talking about the obvious stuff like 1-2-Switch, but, um, I mean, look at – most of the Mario titles, um, things like, uh, I mean, Rumble really is something I think most people don't even think about because it's in
2: everything. Yes, yeah, um, standard. But when you don't have it, you notice it. Um, for sure. Um, I- when, when n64 dropped that Star Fox and the rumble pack came with it and that was like that changed the whole world i don't know if that was like necessarily the first form of rumble but it was definitely the first major release and and partnered with a game kind of thing and and ever since then i mean i've like demanded rumble like it's just like it doesn't feel the same without it for sure yeah yeah that's 20 years you know so so all of a sudden going without it is kind of like what
1: yeah and i would say that like you know i thought at first like the hd rumble thing was super gimmicky like when they first announced it i was like come on come come on come on like hd (laughs) yeah Yeah. i was like come on but now that like i'm kind of used to it i'm like yeah there is like a a brand of like subtlety to like what they do with some of that stuff especially with in regards to some of their titles um so yeah it's it's something i come to really appreciate and i
2: would miss that um or or regret not having that with the light and the, and the 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 fact that that kind of rumble is possible in something as tiny as the Joy-Con versus the big old heavy rumble like weights inside of a PS4 controller and how different like like a PS4 rumble feels like a PS2 or a PS3 rumble yeah. you know what i mean but the Switch rumble is like it really i see what they i i thought it was gimmicky at first but i see what they mean by HD rumble the yeah. subtlety is very pronounced and in something so tiny i mean You know the the Joy-Con is like very, a very impressive piece of technology. Um, Yes, so with the Switch Lite kind of negating not only the rumble but the whole Joy-Con as a whole, and just kind of attaching it like cementing it to the sides and turning it into like I I don't know, it just seems like it, it seems like they're almost selling their own product short. Yeah, you know, like it's kind of like you're you're sabotaging your own thing, but sure. It's like the 2DS. I get that. I just wish that in, instead of, I feel like the Switch Lite could have waited a couple more years and been a different thing or maybe a better thing and they could have just jumped straight to a Switch Pro and that would make everybody a lot happier. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. You yeah. Know, like they, like they could have just been like, Hey, we're going to do a Switch Pro and then wait a couple days. Like, like they should have done it in reverse where the Switch Pro essentially is the announcement is the big splash. And then the Lite is like, Oh, guess what? We also have this too. You know,
0: I, I partially feel that, um, since Pokemon is coming out, that was like their big push to get this out. Yep. Yeah. Because they're, because they, they are, they've announced that there's going to be a Switch Lite, uh, version for Sword and Shield with like the legendaries on the decal on the back. So I, I partially feel like they, they, they know the market. They know the market of, you know, how many people bought Pokemon games on the 3DS and the 2DS. Um with that game coming out on the Switch, you know, a lot of people are now looking at getting a Switch. Let's, you know, get them a cheaper system and get them something that's going to be handheld because that's what they're used to.
2: True. Yeah, Nintendo definitely knows. They, I mean, I don't think there's ever a doubt that Nintendo knows what they're doing. I just think most gamers, even Nintendo fans, wish that they would think outside of what it is that they do. Because they do so well at what they do. But it's also like, sometimes I'm just like, sometimes it feels tone deaf. And that's not to say that it will sell any less or, you know, hurt them in any way. I think the only thing that's hurt them ever in their history was probably Virtual Boy and the Wii U. Everything else has been good or great, you know? And so it's not like they don't know what they're doing. I just wish they would get a little bit more comfortable with being risky but you know the switch in general as a system and as a game library is showing that they are willing to adapt and to to evolve because the switch i mean i play this more now I, i play the ps4 for very specific reasons or for you know or for deals but the switch has kind of gotten my attention in just about every other way
1: oh absolutely yeah yeah
2: so there's something to be said for that. I feel like Nintendo is timeless and they uh they they know how to market timeless and they know how to how to remain timeless. Mm. Yeah, and I and I feel like at the end of the day Nintendo they they they're
0: just, just, the the just going to do what they want. Yeah. Because like yeah. they 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 really yeah. don't try they don't try to like, you know, uh copy what other, you know, companies are doing. They sort of have like their own plan and they yep. sort of just go with it
2: and it works apparently <laughs> it's working cuz i bought one <laughs>
0: all right so uh, sticking with the switch news um sort of going back to what we were talking about before the regular like base model switch is going to be upgraded so there will be a new regular switch model that's upgraded with and as as of right now i um, confirmed to have a upgraded battery life um same price and it's going to uh launch towards the end of august so, the biggest thing so far that's been talked about this new base model is that the old model, uh, battery life was 2.5 hours, 2.5 to 6.5 hours based on like, you know, what games you were playing. Uh, this new model is going to be 4.5 to 9. So, cool. uh, that's, that's huge. Uh, they made an example of the old model if you were playing, um, Breath of the Wild. You could play that for about three hours before the battery goes out on you. But with right. this new model, you're playing Breath of the Wild for about 5.5 hours. So um I feel like this model is going to be for um, people that want a little bit more. They're going to want the Joy-Cons. They're going to want um, to dock their system. Um, this is going to be for the consumer who hasn't picked up a Switch yet, yeah. but actually wants like the full-fledged switch um and i guess they i i guess they don't want to wait for a pro quote-unquote i guess we since we don't really know if it's coming when it's coming but um
1: i i'm fairly certain that there was a wall street journal uh Reporter from Japan who actually confirmed that the new model, this quote unquote new model is basically just an upgraded version of the current model, uh, the current SKU and that, that the SKU will be discontinued and the new one will be, um, that will take over essentially.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And you know, I'm, I'm just going to put this out there. I think although it will provide a little bit of a boost with battery and processor, I think I think honestly, and no one's going to say this, no, Nintendo will not come out and say this, but I think a big part of uh, overriding the skew is going to be battling piracy. Because really, for a large majority of the Wii and Wii U updates, as well as the Switch updates, um, it hasn't really been a ton of features. It's more been like, how can we... Undo all the hacks that people that are that are thriving on the internet right now i mean i've seen i've seen Dreamcast games running on a switch um, and you know I mean I, the amount of things that are possible based on the fact that their security isn't necessarily the best, and I think that's one of those things where you know, it's like it's like Nintendo doesn't really have to worry about that stuff because they're doing so well and they're such a household name that you know you could pirate everything and it probably wouldn't hurt them because they're always going to have a base of people who will not pirate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like them releasing this, uh, I'm glad that it has better battery life because that's what the Switch needs. Uh, you know, the, the the current Switch I use in handheld, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fifty fifty uh half of the time I will take it in the room with me um I usually don't bring it anywhere anywhere with me but like in the house I will take it with me um and then half the time I have it docked to the screen uh or it's docked you know at an arcade um but yeah the the battery life you know especially with something like Breath of the Wild it feels like it feels like going back to game gear you know so the boost in that will be nice and I think also like, yeah, they're not going to say it, but I think a, a big part of that is sort of uh, presenting piracy with a new uh, firewall. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um, I I wouldn't say the hacking scene for the Switch is super huge. It's definitely not on the level of uh, the Wii or the, the Wii. U, yeah. mm-hmm. But, like, Nintendo consoles historically have uh, very somewhat simple and easy ways to get through. Uh, their software and to do what you want. And I think, uh, the, the original DS kind of suffered a lot from that. Um, I mean, it still did well, but there were a lot of independent studios, uh, that posted stuff online like, Hey, you know, we're, we're not making games anymore specifically because of these flashcards that people are, that people have. And, you know, we feel like we're losing money because of these flashcards. Um, so, you know, that's a thing. Um, I would like to see like a full blown pro switch but yeah I mean if if there's if there's any like lowering in price or better processor or better battery I mean it can't hurt that I I would take a better battery and better processor over the light are those the two like, bigger, or the biggest factors
1: for you, like, for a pro switch, is like, battery life and, and graphic, or like, graphical fidelity?
2: Uh, yeah, especially after seeing, uh, Bloodstain specifically. If you look at Bloodstain on all consoles, the Switch is by far the worst version, not only in frame rate, but in detail. The detail is, like, terrible. Like, it, mm. it, it still is a great game, especially if you don't know the difference, but if you watch them side by side on, like, a YouTube comparison, the Xbox One has the best version, and the PS4 Pro is very close. Uh, the Switch version is just not great. The resolution is really bad, and they even take off a lot of the textures and stuff. Um and that's just that's just one example. I mean Bloodstained was a Kickstarter game. So I'm not going to say that that's for every game. I haven't looked at a comparison for MK11, but I know Oh, I have. that it's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yeah.
1: It, yeah, it's bad. It's 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 like I mean if that is the only like the Switch version is the only version of that game you ever see, then like it's not the worst thing in the world, but like Right. you put it right next to PS4, it's no comparison. It's immediately
2: noticeable. Right. And I mean, you know, they, the, their whole thing is that they locked it at 60 frames. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, it's funny. The, uh, I'm going to talk really quick about the Uya, which was like, you know, almost, almost 10 years ago, not even 10 yeah. years ago, six, seven years ago six, now. Seven years. Yeah. And oh. that was supposed to like change the whole landscape of gaming. And what's funny is that the Switch in a lot of ways reminds me of the Ouya, in the sense that All the things that Ouya promised, the Switch delivers. Like, it's got the indie support, it's got the third-party support, it's got the the very small form factor, it's got the play-how-you-want-to-play factor. Um, But being backed by Nintendo, of course, it's doing way better than that. But what's funny is that the processors are fairly similar. They both have a Tegra. Um, They both are lower-quality versions than all of the other versions that are out um they're both they both were meant to pick up and immediately play uh and they both have a thriving indie scene um it's kind of funny how they paralleled and i really i feel for the uya i did not get one although it's totally the kind of thing that i would be like sure let's fight for the underdog but you know once it came out i was like oh hell no yeah um, yeah the switch obviously you know nintendo never does anything without it being like you know top of the line and That's something I've come to appreciate from them, and like you were saying before we uh, we got on the podcast, uh, their mobile games are like top notch. Like it's it feels like like not a mobile game. It feels like a 3ds game, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's something that I think Nintendo will always shine at and always be something uh, that is worth respecting. Is that when they put something out, it is a good product. It might not have every feature, but it's like solid. The hardware solid. Everything feels – nothing feels flimsy. Nothing feels like it's going to break. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I – yeah, I think battery life is probably the biggest thing, Um, although I don't use, – I use it half and half. I don't often find myself running out of battery necessarily because I don't play the same way I used to play. But I can imagine people running out of battery life uh, fairly quickly with the current Switch.
0: I think they need to address like the Joy-Con issue because I know um, I was talking to some some friends maybe a week or two ago, and like that's something that like it's it's pretty bad. Like I I think it's to the point where if I'm forced to use a Joy-Con, I I won't play. Like I I'm normally using my Pro controller, or the Joy Cons are attached in handheld mode. Like. I, uh, we're, we're trying to play Super Smash Brothers, and then, so I was like, oh, yeah, let's just detach the Joy-Cons. I was like, nah, you, you can, you can, I'll watch. If, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's lag. I don't, yeah, I, I do not want to deal with that, so, um, I think that's something definitely that they'll have to address and fix with the, uh, Switch Pro. Um, For sure. But I think, I think that's the biggest thing. I feel like the, the Switch Lite and then the revamped, um, you know, model of the switch. I I don't know if it's for like I feel like if you already have a Switch, like these two new systems are like they're they're not really marketed towards you. Yeah. I feel like the Switch Lite is more marketed towards like the Pokemon crowd that's coming in. And then this revamped Switch is more or less for the people that were like on edge before. Right. And like haven't picked up a switch yet. I feel like it's perfect for them. Like they're getting the best you know, they're getting a better battery life, they're getting a newer processor. Um, hopefully they'll work on the Joy-Cons. But uh for us that's have had the switch this whole time, um, I still think that, you know, we can sort of just sit back and then just wait for this pro edition to come out.
2: Yeah, and you know, I think beyond the hardware, I really just want to see uh some more uh polish is not the word. I, I want to see more effort on the front end. I like the eShop, but it needs better organization. Um, it mm-hmm. needs a shopping cart. It needs a, an alphabetizing uh, sorting list for my uh, wish list, which is mm-hmm. huge. My wish list is like 40-plus games, and there's no way to organize that whatsoever. Um, there's no Bluetooth audio, and there's no... Although although I just saw online right now, um, on The Verge, there is a... Nintendo Switch controller that includes, uh, it supports in-game Fortnite chat with a headphone jack in the controller. So that's really cool because right now as it stands, you have to use a separate app on your Android or iPhone um, in order to chat with anyone via Nintendo game, which means that you have to share the friend code and then make sure both people have the app and then do all that while on PlayStation you could just do it all with your controller. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, oh for sure. That's oh, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I just I just told the person, hey, this is this is my Discord you yeah, know server. Right, exactly. Just... <laughs> I end up using Discord
2: or I just literally call up my friends on the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's the thing, is that stuff like that, I'm like, I wanna see, like, I don't know, just just give me Netflix and Twitch. Give me give me upgrade the whole system software, let me stream from the Switch. As opposed to just taking uh, quick video and 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 snapshots. Let me. I I know that that's not really what they're going for, but I just feel like if Nintendo wants to, um, I shouldn't say play with the big dogs because they are. They're they're a big they, dog. Yeah, they, they are. But you know what I'm saying? It's like if they want to like, if they want to impress the rest of us, um, longtime gamers, if they want to kind of blow us out of the water, if they want to like make something uh, a a new revision that's really worth getting for us that already have a switch. Yeah. Um I I think they what they don't realize is that those of us who have a switch, we will pay for a better switch with better a better front end, a better OS, better battery life. Like I if 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 another switch drop next year for the same price with all of these features that I'm talking about and a better battery life, I mean, I would be tempted to get it, because then I would have two, and one would be for Smash, and one would be for the other stuff. Um, That may not be what they're aiming for, but, you know, hey. I would say, I'm even
0: tempted to say, I'm part of that crowd that, like, even if uh, it happens to cost more, like just just being able to get you know the the better uh, graphical fidelity get a better e shop just yeah. having like the best for that system itself like i'm i'm willing to pay a little bit more for that too
2: yeah for sure for sure it it could be like you know like like yeah like the ps4 pro to the ps4 exactly and that's the thing is that the ps4 pro does offer quite a few advancements and is a different form factor and all that stuff um i don't know necessarily whether that's for me but i just i just I just want to see them kind of um i think I think Nintendo has surprised me with their third party support with their hardware and with the ease of use and the ease of like turning it on and getting it into a game, but where I really want them to surprise me is with the features of the console I want more you know
0: it's more so like the Like the heavy duty stuff, like the, like you said, like the jumping straight into the game or getting someone to play a game with you. That's, you know, uh, it's quick and easy, but like for the hardcore stuff, like for hardcore gamers, as much as I hate saying that, like that's, that's what we want. We want to be able to, we want to be able to do more with the system.
2: Right. Right now I'm looking at my friends list and I have like, you know, 30 people or something on here and there's five people online right now. I literally cannot contact any of them via the switch even though it says they're online and what they're playing and say, "Hey, do you want to play this other game with me?" Yeah. I can't even do it with predetermined statements. I'm like, yeah. dog, like you, you give me even, like a You can't something. even do it. You can't even do it with like within most games. Like
1: I right. know with with Mario Kart 8, like I can't invite people to play, to race with me. I have to coordinate with them outside of the game and say, "Hey, join this join on me." Like nice.
2: You know, it's kind of ridiculous. Right. It's kind of like, so I can see what you're playing. I can see that you're playing. I can see what you've played, but otherwise I can do nothing. Right. Like, yeah. like what's the point then? Then why even have friends? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's kind of um, stuff like that where I'm just like, I I really want to see them kind of wake up with stuff like that. You don't have to give me... Uh you, you don't have to open it completely up but at least give me some predetermined statements let me invite people you don't have to give me a browser but give me Netflix and Twitch those are standards by now um especially Twitch I mean I'm on I I stream twice a week on Twitch I I have a whole community of people on Twitch I mean Twitch is where gaming is at largely even more so than YouTube because YouTube kind of encompasses everything and Twitch is for gaming with art and music on the side I feel like having, um, having to switch the HDMI, you know, or switch to another channel to use my PS4 to watch Twitch or to watch Netflix is kind of like, what the fuck? Like, that's just, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I know there's probably a very good reason for it. It's probably licensing or legal issues, but I'm like, Nintendo, if you can make. XYZ happen, you can make this happen. You know what I and mean?
0: I, and I think that's what happened with um them getting Hulu on. Hulu, I think, uh as a company, they jumped on board I was like, hey, you know, here's the app. Contract. Here you go.
2: Yeah. I think that's hey. what it is. And that's that's probably right. I mean I I'm not gonna obviously I bought a Switch. I like so many games on it. I'm playing it all the time. Um it's just it's just one of those things where they're like, Hey, here's more hardware and I'm like No, dude, I, that's, that, that's great. That's, that's fine. That's not, you, you're missing the point. You know what I mean? Like, like, we don't really need more hardware right now. If the Switch stayed the same as it was for the next three years, I don't think, I think some people might have minor complaints, but I don't think anybody would say shit if they also added all these other features. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but, you know, again, Nintendo is gonna do what they want. They're very good at doing what they want. And, in in many ways, it still leaps and and bounds above uh, the Wii and the Wii U, um, and like it's still providing an experience that you can't really get on the reason on, on on other consoles. The reason why I pick up my Switch and play it is because I know that I'm going to have to deal with zero bullshit between when I turn it on and when I start the game. You know, like it just it just works, and that. Is the thing that I think will continue to keep me coming back to the Switch.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so.
0: I, that, and I guess it's for me, it's the um, being able to s- sit down and play like a home console game, and then. Picking up the system, walking into the next room, and continue playing that game.
2: Yeah, like mid game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the other day I was, I was, uh ToeJam and Earl just got a, a a update recently where they finally made it four player uh for offline, and I was playing online in a game with people, and we were like, I got in the elevator, and there's like a, a quick loading screen when you're in the elevator going to the next stage, and I like. I was I was like literally in the bathroom with the switch playing online, <laughs> and I and I reached the elevator and I'm like okay okay I'm gonna walk out here. I walked out to the living room, stuck it in the dock, and then continued playing on the TV mid game, just in the loading screen, without it without a hitch, without without a Wi-Fi error, without it was perfect. That to me, you know, right then I was like oh I love this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, stuff That's like true. that. Yeah, so time
0: will tell what Nintendo will do. But like you said, Nintendo will, <laughs> they'll do whatever they want. Yep. So um we'll we'll see. We'll see if we'll get a uh a pro system down the road. Uh we'll see how it does in sales, especially with Pokemon right around the corner. Um but that's that's just the switch. Time will tell. We'll see what happens. But uh with that, we're gonna wrap up episode twenty one. And once again, thank you, Game Master Herb, for uh, for joining us this episode. Uh, we're gonna roll out the red carpet. If you want to go ahead and shout out, you know what you're working on, shout out your social media pages for people to follow you. For uh, sure, so, yeah.
2: Thank you so much for having me here. I love talking with you guys about games. Um, it's a very chill atmosphere, uh, and I think I think just the name of your podcast alone is something that makes me want to listen to it and support it. Because it immediately uh proposes the idea like should I play this? In other words, any game is applicable. And yep. that makes me happy. Um, if you want to follow me or follow my weekly and monthly arcades, it is GameMasterHerb at Instagram. I also stream every single Wednesday night, which uh is shortly, and every single Friday night at Three Bears Gaming on Twitch. That's three bears gaming with a Y. Uh Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday I have arcades in Atlanta uh, with different groups of people different DJs, different vendors different vibes, but the same games um, I have a couple other events coming up soon I also have an event bright page which is also Game Master Herb that gives the details of each event and that is updated constantly um, Thank you all so much Thank you Rod, thank you Chris uh, I hope my suggestions uh, kind of reach somebody out there make somebody you know possibly pick up a cheap game and enjoy themselves
0: and, and, that's, and that's what we hope for this podcast is for mm-hmm. for people to listen to it they hear about new games hear about games that they might have looked over and they enjoy themselves it's all about having fun we're, we're in the fun business how about that <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> same
0: <laughs> all right rod you got anything yeah man uh Thank
1: you, Herb, joining us, man. You're we love every single guest that we have on here, but you're one of my favorites. Seriously, um, it's always a great time when you when you're on. Um, and yeah, everybody to everybody listening, man, play some games, enjoy yourself. Herb gave you a, an awesome list of games. Check <laughs> a boatload, out, yeah, <laughs> a boatload of games. Check out a couple of them. Check out all of them if you can. Like, I mean, they they all sounded great. Um, you know, play some games at summertime. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. Like you said, business of fun, guys. Business of fun.
0: All right. Cool. And just to remind you guys, remember, email us at should I play that at gmail We want to read out some of these emails on air. So definitely, you know, just, just shoot us an email. Just you know, um, I've had some people in the past week ask me uh, questions about like what platform they should listen to and whatnot. Anywhere you listen to us is great, but if you ever have the chance, remember to like And to review us five stars, that'll be great, and that helps us, you know, work with the algorithm on whatever platform we're on so we can reach more people. So, um, definitely do that. And hey, if you have a lot of time, go ahead and go on every platform that we're on and just, you know, (laughs) rate and review us like that. That will warm my heart, I will really appreciate that. But, um, just like we, how I like closing out these episodes, guys, you know what it is. Drink more water. Moisturize your ankles. Take your vitamins. Eat your greens. Don't sweat the small stuff. Read more. Keep people around you that'll tell you the truth. Be humble. Commit to things. Your greatest struggles are your greatest lessons. Ooh, Text yeah. your friends that you haven't talked to in a while. Change the sound of your alarm every couple of days to help you <laughs> wake you up. Like that's still that's still something that like I that helps me out. I like changing it up sometimes. Stop waiting for the perfect time. There will always be an excuse to not be be productive. Just do it. Just, just do what you want to do. If you're traveling this summer, use your front pockets to carry your stuff. Because otherwise, you're making it easy for pickpockets to pickpocket you. <laughs>
2: nice.
0: If, <laughs> I love all that, man. You should write a book. If, if you have life problems, don't run away from them. Face them, because they'll haunt you later if you don't. if you want to make a change in your life just take it one day at a time just ask yourself what can I do today to make that change just because someone doesn't agree with you doesn't make them an enemy it doesn't just you know figure it out everyone's cool when was the last time you backed up your phone think about it (laughs) exactly (laughs) make sure your phone is backed up you don't want to run into that situation where you you lose everything that's the worst definitely not Never go to a grocery store on an empty stomach. I've made that mistake maybe twice this past month. Don't do it because you'll overbuy. It's a trap. And last but not least, guys, leave things better than you found them. That's like if you go out to a store, don't mess stuff up. If you go to a friend's house, don't go somewhere trash it, and leave. Like, just consciously think, hey, how can I make this better? Like, put shit back. That's all. I was always taught that when I was growing up. My mom was like, hey, put that back where you found it. It helps us out. But last but not least, guys, stay beastly. Peace out. Have a great summer. And we'll catch you next time. Peace.
2: Peace.